Hey guys, only me. I'm just dropping in before the show starts to mention that we did have a few audio problems uh, during the recording of the show. Myself and James at both our ends, but we we think it kind of turned out all right in the end. We did have to cut a few bits out which were pretty much unlistenable, which is saying something for this show because we put some old shite on before. Um, but we do miss out a few bits. So there's a bit about the first match, the Corporal Kirshner Adrian Adonis match. We missed that out. So obviously. Adrian Adonis wins. Uh, spoiler alert for 36 years ago. Uh, you missed great jokes by myself comparing Adrian Adonis to a fat Rod Stewart. Um, also, I noticed that Jimmy Hart looked a bit like Elvis crossed with Peter Sutcliffe at this point. Um, and we did talk about Corporal Kirshner being falsely declared dead by WWE in the mid-2000s. Go look at that. I mean, you can imagine how great it was. Um so we hope you enjoyed the show. I'm just popping in to say hello. And as a way of thanking you guys, I'm going to pick one of the songs from the top 10, which is a very good... It's worth listening to for that top 10 alone, to be honest, from 1985. And we hope you enjoyed the show. And um, we'll see you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much, guys. Everybody and welcome to uh, episode fifty-seven. I'm gonna say because I will we'll get out of the way now. I'm on holiday this week when you're hearing this, so um, we're recording episodes out of sync slightly. So I'm just checking my phone to see what episode we're on now. So just bear with me. We're off to a professional start as always. So this is episode. I mean, it'll be in the title of the uh, the, the show anyway. But this is episode fifty eight of Bang Bang Podcast. Uh, last week we it was a nice treat for us all to hear myself and uh, the ubiquitous UTC Rob talk about Big Daddy and his last match and that wonderful episode of of World of Sport that, that followed. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, yeah, that was nineteen eighty eight for you. Very interesting times. And I've not recorded that episode yet, so I'm making all this up. So <laughs> it was probably crap. 
but I'll go back and edit this out if it was crap. But no, um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, so this week, this week again, um, we're going back into the 80s, a bit further into the 80s this time. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we're still doing our guest host phase, our guest host run. So we've having some proper heavyweights of the podcast division. I don't mean that literally. I mean that as as a as a figure, a term of endearment. So obviously last week we had UTC Rob, and this week we've got the. Well, I think I turned him recently. Well, last year at some point, it's one of the most influential men in in wrestling. It's uh, James from that Nineties Wrestling Podcast. James, how's it going, mate? Uh, thanks for asking me to come on. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I remember uh, messaging you uh, last year saying, oh, I'm moving down your way by Bristol uh, next year. You're like, oh, we'll get you on the podcast. Well, it's finally happened. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, well, back in those days, we were like, I think that was before myself and Steve had got our head round, if we've ever got our head round, recorded over Skype. So yeah. we were kind of... <laughs> Like we were, we were, we had a um, episode lined up with a um, local author, John Lister, who we mentioned last week in the the show about Big Daddy and uh, World of Sport. He wrote um, a book about World of Sport. He's written quite a few books actually, but um, he lives in Bristol. And we before COVID, we'd actually, I mean, this is even fucking insane to consider it, but. He'd allowed, he agreed that me and Steve would go around his house and interview him and talk about, talk about his book and talk about world of sport. Because um, he lives, well, he lives, in, he lives in Bristol. So just the f- image now of myself and Steve being sat around his table drinking booze, talking about world of sport wrestling with John Lister seems completely insane. But that's where we were. We were kind of, I think Cy Powell was going to come down as well. And yeah, which, yeah, now seems completely nuts. But yeah, so where, where did you, so you moved down? You were, yeah, uh, so like originally from uh, Nottingham, even though I haven't got a Nottinghamshire accent at all. Not at all, mate. No. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Like my family are antique dealers. So, and they uh, deliver, make furniture. So from the age of being four or five year old, I used to be, they used to chuck me in the van, literally. Um, and after school or during school holidays or on weekends I'd literally be sat in the van with them for like seven and eight hour trips like going all up and down the UK or going across Europe so I picked up all these weird accents um, none of the actual language and it's weird because my father's family is actually from Yorkshire and from York itself so whenever I've been up there to go and visit they're like oh James is quite well spoken but then I come down here uh, I'm near Taunton now and that's where my wife's family's from. And like, oh, James is a big northerner. So I literally kept like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, I can't win. But uh, yeah, uh, it's not bad around here. It's uh, a bit different. But uh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was trying to work out your accent because you can almost, I know you're a Liverpool fan, but it almost sounds like you've got a bit of kind of Liverpoolian in there. And like it's yeah, there's definitely a bit, but yeah, it's it's a kind of mix of a few different accents. Um, obviously, the, we all know the best accent in in the in the world is clearly, you know, not me, not I'm not from not Taunton, Bristol is, you know. Um, but I don't think again, I don't think I sound particularly Bristolian. But <laughs> yeah, so uh, even though like where I'm at now, it's literally 50 minutes from Bristol, if that. Yeah. Like the difference in the accents, and I remember the first time actually going into Bristol and like Bristol accent, I'm like, fucking hell, that's strong. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Like being in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <Isn't that Mr. laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I don't. When I listen to listen back to these shows, then I realise I am quite Bristolian. But in my head, I've got like a. I think that's probably everybody. I don't like. I've got a completely normal accent. This is. But after a few drinks, I do. I've always got more kind of Bristolian after after a few ales. But yeah. I kind of yeah yeah. So James <laughs> James is recording, and he's he's. Obviously, being a lifelong Liverpool fan, he's the colour blue tonight. So it's uh, it's an interesting interesting look. Can you explain why you're the colour blue, James? Yeah. Obviously, so, uh, this, this, is, this is an audio podcast, so this is not really much use for the listeners. But um, but yeah, go on. Yeah, my uh, phone smashed uh, last week and uh, my screen. So um, yeah, so because of that. I had to get a new screen, and for some reason, since I've had this new screen put on, it's got a very, very blue tint when there's light against it. So, yeah, so it looks <laughs> like I'm in like a 90s, 70s psychedelic. Yeah. It? yeah, it does. Yeah, I thought it was some sort of filter you had on your phone, but <laughs> no, it's just the screen. Yeah, yeah, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty filter for pictures and stuff like that, but not great for recording. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this podcast are aware of James and um, his his podcast. So I've listened to all of his reviews of the, like the 90s pay-per-views, which he does with Rob and Mags and Dan. And then, I mean, when I first um, came into contact with, with James, I think you not long started the podcast yeah. at that point. And you were doing sort of reviews of shows and that. But obviously now he's taken on a life of his own and you're recording with... Um, or interviewing like mainstream stars, basically wrestling on a regular basis. Yeah, I've been so fortunate. I, I mean, if anything, if the, the only good thing about COVID is the fact that a lot of it's not it was not good for them. A lot of the wrestlers couldn't wrestle, so they were stuck at home. Uh, so because of that, they had some more free time, and uh, I was looking to get interviews and uh, interviewed one uh, Goldilocks, the original TNA knockout. She actually messaged me, and uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really know who she was. Um, <laughs> no, no. She was nice on the eyes. Um, yeah. So uh, I interviewed her, and I thought, oh, I like interviewing. And then somehow I got a, a, a main relationship with Impact Wrestling, albeit I did lie about my numbers. I said I was getting so many downloads. I was probably getting about a tenth of them downloads, but, you know, right. yeah. it's the wrestling business. Everyone works each other, so, of course, you know, yeah. well embrace it uh unfortunately uh, the irony is now the fact the numbers i originally said i down i i got i mean numbers is actually a bit higher now uh yeah. so their, their, their faith or their misleading faith has actually paid off um so that went well and yeah just been so lucky getting interviews like interviewed rob van Dam, which was a big deal for me um a really big deal and uh eric bischoff and vince russo uh nick holders was one of me uh, using like my i think it was like within my first 10 interviews and that was a big deal for me because big fan of nick holders and he is coming back on the show soon we're just arranging times to record but yeah just so fortunate to interview a lot of these uh, a lot of the stars from the past from the 80s and 90s like nikita koloff uh, and it's been awesome i really can't believe like how lucky i've been to interview all these people and you know and you know working on other stuff trying to uh, secure other things to interview people getting a bit harder to get these interviews uh, because a lot of the wrestlers now because of everything that's open they're wrestling or they're doing signings and stuff so they have got a lot less free time but 
it's just trying to catch him at the right time. Um, so it's getting tougher. But yeah, you said to me like, was it now about a year and a half ago? If that, I don't even think it's that. But if it was that, that I would have interviewed all these people. Um, you know, do pay per view reviews, meet great people in podcasting, uh, people I can call friends now. Uh, I wouldn't believe you. So yeah, I'm so thankful for I started the show and really grateful to everyone who's checked it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is it is great, and it is you. You know, you've got that kind of way about you of making it feel like it is. Like that's what I always done. But we, well, we were like me and Steve were always. It was two mates having a chat, basically. I've tried to do these sort yeah. of guest episodes in a similar way, and even your interviews come across as like more of a kind of a friendly sort of natural chat. You see a lot of these interviewers, and the guys are like reading off the same sort of stock list of questions, yeah. and there's no kind of personality to it, but. Yeah. yeah. Is there any any one interview you'd pick out the people that you really enjoyed or you would when the standard stood out for you? If you're listening, well, they're listening to this show, so obviously they love their old school WWF stuff. Um, yeah. Check out the Sean Mooney one. That was a big get for me. Uh, yeah. Great stories from Sean Mooney. Also Todd Pettengill. That's one of my favourites. I'm hoping to be. I haven't messed. He doesn't know this yet. But Todd Ketting, uh, Todd Pettengill. I'm hoping to start a weekly show with him. He doesn't know this yet. But you will find out. Uh, so, um, but yeah, yeah, it's hard to pick them. Uh, Sean Mooney was a Sean Mooney was a good one for me because everyone knows who Sean Mooney is. He's the voice from yeah. childhood, yeah. you know. But, but besides Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon and Gene Oakland, that late eighties, early nineties, you listen to the voices, and one of them was Sean Mooney. Uh, so that's one of my favourites. Uh, but yeah, Rob Van Dam. I mean, skip the first ten minutes because he's talking about RVD CBD. After that, he just <laughs> talk about wrestling. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like I'm arrogant, but sometimes you know you actually forget who you've interviewed. Uh, oh yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, it's weird when you do. But now uh, Todd Pettengill was a fun one. I really enjoyed talking to Todd. And there's some wrestlers like people might not even be familiar with, like from Ring of Honor, like guy like uh, Shane Taylor, who I wasn't really didn't really know him that much, but interviewing him, he's actually one of my favourite interviews. Uh, Joe Hendry was a fun interview uh, for British wrestling fans. Loved it, talking to him. And uh, Al Snow, I enjoy talking to Al Snow. So, uh, yeah, just been really fortunate. And, um, yeah, it's uh, just check them all out. Just, you know, like, subscribe, check them all out. And if you want to listen to myself and a angry French-Canadian, check out the other channel, Cafe Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there anyone that was a bit of a knob? Or, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <Just> one <laughs> never made it to her. <laughs> yeah. And not so much he was a knob, just for the yeah. fact he's fucking boring. <laughs> was he? Moose. Are you... Oh, Moose. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, now, like, so I've heard that the reason he gives one word answers, and it sounds weird, is because okay. he's got an enlarged tongue. Is that right? Apparently... So that's that sounds like an excuse. That sounds like an excuse. Well, Sorry, mate, my tongue's enlarged. Yeah. All oh, right. Uh, <laughs> that, he, he never said that. Someone else said that to me. But hmm. what happened? Because this was when this was during the time I was doing the Impact Wrestling interviews, and it wasn't video; it was just audio. Yeah. Uh, now that I do video stuff with them, it's a lot more easygoing. But back then, it was just audio, and. Like, I write down, like, a page full of questions. And with Impact Wrestling, my, my interviews generally last 18 to 20 minutes. Uh, that's how much I'm given. There's also something you're not allowed to talk about. Strict, no WWE conversation. Okay. Which, which is sometimes hard when 
like someone from WWE only just jumped to Impact, and that's like what they're known for. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with Moose, I was uh, giving these questions, and sometimes you give someone a question. Uh, Nick Holders was great. You asked Nick Holders for, a, you give Nick Holders a question, he would go on a 10 or 50 minute uh, diet tribe. Like, and yeah. he's so, he was, I, if some people want to check out my interviews, Check out that one because that's one of my very first really in-depth interviews. Nick Aldis uh, yeah. talked a lot about TNA. But Moose gave him these questions. Yes. No. Yes. And the lady who's mounting the call is like, can you slow down, James? I'm like, I've never gone through all my questions. <laughs> uh, and we're only five minutes in. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, but finished the interview. And then I realized, shit, I forgot to record that. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I've never been so thankful not to record an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so it no, never went no, out? It never went no. out. So no, oh. no offence to me, so hopefully I do speak to you again if you are listening to this. He actually uh, does listen. He does listen every well, week. So. <laughs> my apologies, Moose, but, yeah. you know. We've, we actually got a third person on the podcast tonight, and it's uh, it's Moose. <laughs> Work on your promo skills. You might be given the world title, finally. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he was going to come on, but his, his tongue's too big, apparently, he said. So we had to... We had to so. Actually, my, my, um, my niece had a something called a geographic tongue. Have you heard that before? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's basically, I think if you eat too many kind of different, like sort of spicy kind of foods, it can affect your tongue and um, and make it sort of sore and swollen. And so maybe that's what Moose has got. I dread the day Sorry. I talked to I dread the day I talked to Cody Rhodes with that list. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you if you have got a geographic tongue or you've been affected by a geographic tongues in the past, and get in touch and I'll uh, I can provide some advice. So this is for anyone out there. He's, he's he's dealing with that issue and moose as well if, if that's if that's what the problem is then then get in touch mate but yeah but, but like you said, that's the thing when you listen to these interviewers and these 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 uh interviews up on youtube you don't i mean as as good as you are i don't really want to hear you talking more than the yeah more than the star the, the, the talent yeah so you want you like say you want to get those questions where you you let you ask Nicole this question, and they answer that for like five or six minutes, mm. and give you like, because again, you don't want to be doing, and again, if it's you doing all the work, yeah, then it's yeah, it's it's finding the right balance, and um, it is a lot harder than what it looks. I'll be honest, and I respect all interviewers out there, and uh, but I, I suppose not to put myself over, but I think the the reason. I don't know if people doesn't enjoy my show. Uh, I, I'm hoping they do. Um, <laughs> but I, I think from what I, from people, you know, I don't know if they're just taking pity and saying nice things about me. But the, the people that do, they say, fat, like you mentioned, it's like you're having a conversation. Whereas in, I've seen other interviews and they do good jobs. But a lot of these interviews I've noticed is just asking the questions for the clickbait headlines, I call. They just yeah. want to get a clickbait headline to stick on wrestling media. And don't get me wrong. You know, some of my interviews have been mentioned on like Inside the Ropes, for example, or Cold Tarlic, and it's great. It's great publicity, but I'm not doing it on purpose to look for these headline sort of questions. I'm, I generally like having a, a conversation with people. Uh, like I recently spoke to uh, Mike Bennett and uh, nice guy, uh, re- really nice chat to him. And yeah, and one of my favorite interviews and it hasn't gone out and it hasn't been completed, is with uh, Tom Latimer, Bram. Mm. Uh, but we got some recording issues, and we recorded half an hour, and we realised the audio was terrible. 
So we are rearranging it because that's going to be a two or three hour interview the way we were oh, going. Wow. Yeah. But I, afterwards, like after we stopped, he said to me, he said, James said, I generally really enjoyed this. It was just having a chat to a mate. He said, like we talk on WhatsApp all the time now. He's actually a pal now. Yeah. Uh, but we're just trying to find that time. Yeah. Friend. friend. <laughs> you can rest, rest their friends. friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Friend. yeah. Uh, but generally nice like nice guy to me uh so hopefully that we will get that one sorted out we'll probably get sorted out a little bit later but that's the feedback i've had i've had people say to me it's just they they feel relaxed around me and i'm hoping that means i'm doing okay at what i'm doing so uh fingers crossed it keeps going yeah i mean it must be weird to see like i remember like well, i've spoken on here before but we'd only done about two or three episodes and then we made the dirt sheets <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah because of bray wyatt basically reply responding to a tweet that we did which was oh well um yeah but it was basically if you remember when i spoke about this before but when kevin spacey released that weird video a couple of years ago it's sort of christmas time when he was after he'd been obviously rightly called out for the stuff he'd done he released a sort of video in character playing the guy from what was he in the i can't remember what it's called now the tv program um our uh, west wing is it no 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 the what was it called i can't remember it doesn't matter anyway but uh, he uh, house of cards yeah yeah house of cards yeah 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 so he put a video a really sort of strange video and i said oh it looks like he's been watching like bray wyatt vignettes yeah. and like so it's been influenced by bray wyatt and bray wyatt quote tweeted my yeah. tweet and was like oh influences are you know found in strange places but i forgive you brother as if that was to kevin spacey yeah so then the next day it was it all blew up because this is literally i think it was like the day before christmas eve oh well so everybody then was like well bray wyatt's forgiven kevin spacey was at this point being sort of friendly condemned as being like a a pretty bad sex offender i'll say it (laughs) i was like okay right so all day all day christmas eve i was i had about 2000 twitter notifications because he quote tweeted this thing and then it was on the dirt sheets that Bray Wyatt involved in this controversy regarding Kevin Spacey replying yeah. to a tweet from Bang Bang Podcast. I think we've released like two episodes at the time. It had about, had about 100 followers. And it nice. got, I was like, literally, I said to Steve, like, are we a bit of uh, issue? And I was like, oh, what is that? Gained us any new listeners or followers? I was like, no, <laughs> it didn't make any difference at all. But uh, yeah, it was, that, was, that was strange. But um, normally, yeah. when, normally when something like, like that happens, I'm thinking... What other scandals can we exploit for the podcast? Mm, mm. <laughs> we should have done that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was interesting. But so yeah, but apart from that, but yeah, it must be weird. And again, like being friends with, or like, like you said, jokingly, sort of rest of the friends. It must be it must, it must be slightly strange. Like I say doing a podcast with Renee Dupree as well. It's like yeah, I was watching it that guy on a TV. Yeah. yeah, and now I've got his number on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know when you go through, you know, uh, not sound arrogant, but it's just fucking awesome. You know when I yeah. go through my Skype contact list, I'm yeah. like, oh, there, there's Rob Van Damme. Oh, there's Eric Bischoff. Oh, there's Vince yeah. Russo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My Skype contact list is not as impressive as that. Um, <laughs> but like when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, we had the guy, uh, Patch, who does a Bristol City podcast. And he's had um, like Steve Lansdowne on his podcast, who's like the chairman of Bristol City, who's a oh, wow. billionaire. Yeah. Um, and he's had like the manager... Is he looking to sponsor any wrestling podcasts? Well, I did say that at the time. He said, no, I don't think he's particularly interested <laughs> in wrestling. Any local, local base. Yeah. Um, but he said, like, they, they're they pretty, even he was, like, quite free with what they could ask him. 
there's no caveats or nothing on off this. I think when they do the recording, it gets passed back to the head of media, whatever, at Bristol City, and they sort of listen to it. So I suppose if they were to make any edits, they would say, you know, we're going to have to cut this out, you're going to have to cut this out. But apart from that, it was like you can just sort of ask him anything. But I think, again, you're not going to want to be asking like dick questions are you again you might oh. that one video you might get a few say like say clickbait or yeah then it's going to affect again if you want to you want to get a relationship with a company or with certain wrestlers then you know for the sake of having a sort of shock video that sort of thing then it's, it's not really worth it is it it's yeah short-term and, uh, game but yeah and end of the day wrestlers talk and um but i'll be honest and when i'm emailing potential guests and that I say, you know, I've, this me podcast, I've interviewed so, so, and so, and obviously a lot of them are friends, so they might message this person, how's he as an interviewer, and if, hopefully that person enjoyed their time on my show, and if they give me the thumbs up, then that's half the battle won, basically. Yeah, yeah, so, I think um, I, I drunk DM'd Lanny Poffo once, asking him to be on the show. You mentioned <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can't think of any of awesome. He would be awesome, yeah. I think I tried to get, so Mick Foley sent us a video, like I, I said, all oh, like at any chance when he was like doing sort of free videos and free shows during a pandemic, I said, oh, like, we work, working in the NHS in Bristol at Southmead Hospital and stuff. And he did one for the NHS, mentioned Southmead and that sort of thing. Didn't mention the podcast. <laughs> no, no. And I said like, he, and I was like, oh, thanks for the video. And I was like, is there any way you could kind of at us in the video? And he was like, no, no, it'd take me too long if I did that. And, and I was like, okay. And I was like, do you want to come on the show? And that was where the replies ended. <laughs> it was the end of the... I was like, it's our 50th show coming up. Would you, would you like to come on? And yeah. nothing. So we had to get Mags and Dan and Rob on instead. They were like, oh. the, they were the Mick Foley replacements. So... They're popular, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably get to talking about... Well, so you chose, as as with all these uh, weeks, we, we pick up, basically get picked a week by random, basically. And then we let you decide the the co-host the guest host decide what we're going to cover this week so what made you choose well i'll let you tell everybody even though it's already in the description of the show as i say every fucking i try and build it up as a big surprise everybody knows by this point because <laughs> they downloaded it but what is it what is it we're doing this week yeah uh so this week i'm we're doing the wrestling classic which is the uh, second ever pay-per-view by wwe uh one of the reasons why i've never watched it surprisingly and um, one of one of the negatives of when starting naming the podcast that nineties wrestling podcast, which makes completely no sense now. <laughs> I do an interview. Yeah, um, yeah. But there you go. It's too late to change the name, I think. Yeah. Um, but because of that, we started off the reviews Royal Rumble ninety, so we missed all the eighties stuff. So it's nice to go back to the eighties because it feels like it's such more of an innocent time in wrestling, and the fans wasn't smarky. There was no this is awesome chance. It was people yeah. generally enjoying what they see and not saying it's boring, uh, not expecting, you know, 20 Canadian destroyers off the top rope through a table. Uh, and obviously some great names on the card. So I thought, why not? And plus, I know Fat Dynamite free match on it. So that yeah. ended it for me. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'd never seen it. I'd, I've got, sort of heard it mentioned before and I've seen sort of, but I, I'd never seen it before and I, I didn't. I, I watched it unspoiled basically because I didn't know. Who, mm. So the first time I watched it, I didn't know oh, same how it panned out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was quite surprised when I first watched it how it panned out. But but yeah. So yeah, we're doing a wrestling classic, which is from the seventh of November, nineteen eighty-five, which is thirty-six years ago this week. Did you see the tweet I put out, Andy? 
no, 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 no. Oh, I put the treat out. I said, does anyone still think that the 80s was 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, yeah, no, I replied to that as well, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did reply to that tweet. Doesn't it? Yeah. it does feel oh, like the mate. 80s is 20 years ago. Someone put the spell, <laughs> and it was fucking. It was on TikTok. Mm. Uh, they, they said, this will make your mind go, uh, this will blow your mind. Uh, the same uh, gap, uh, year difference, like 2021 to 1980, yeah. is the same as 1980 to 1939. Mm. I was like, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we are closer to the, the war yeah. than we are to now. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah. When, again, when we did the, I did a couple of shows from like sort of 2004, 2005. And to me, that literally seems like a couple of weeks ago. And that yeah. was... 16 17 years ago right. so yeah but this yeah um so we'll do as is as is tradition i'm looking forward to this we're going to do the top 10 from the 7th of november 1985 now in recent weeks these have been shite and those again those 2000s and the late 90s ones were pretty ropey this is my again i'm 43 i think yeah i'm 43 uh, and um i grew up this is my sort of time period for yeah for music and um like i'm a big 80s man so so the top 10 from november the 7th 1985 so number 10 is a song called election day by arcadia are you aware of arcadia james name rings a bell but it's no. one of them sort of bands you know they've names they've probably done the songs i know the songs but i don't know the names <laughs> no 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 so they were literally like an offshoot of duran duran they only released right. one album, and it was Simon Le Bon and a couple of the guys from Duran Duran, and they released one album. This was a song off that album, and they said it was like massively pretentious. And they, yeah, so yeah, this is like a posh version of Duran Duran, basically without the cool bits. Number nine, Saint Elmo's Fire. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. I went to um, uh, they do these uh, power ballad nights, Ultimate Power. Have you seen those advertised? I yeah. went to um. I went to one in Bristol at the Fleece a few years ago. I'd say it's probably the best night of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was power 80s stuff all night. We've been there. I think we've been out for a few hours beforehand. So by the time we got there, I think it started about 11. So by the time we got there, it was kind of, and then it was just full on for like three hours of like sheer 80s magic. And um, yeah, uh, uh, Gambler by Madonna at number eight. That's, I I, I'm a, I, I had a bit of a thing. I actually, this is a, a family story my cousin actually uh got arrested for stalking madonna in the, in the 80s and the 90s he was like uh, i think he appeared on the big breakfast he was like a madonna super fan um and yeah he, he actually i think she took a i don't know if he got, i think he got arrested at a certain point but i think she took like an injunction out on him oh. <laughs> yeah for harassment so i'm not going to say his name on the show for he hasn't got the same last name as me so but yeah yeah so there's a little uh a secret for you so um, yeah yeah i mean he's from my mum's side of the family so um yes. don't break my heart but you i'm not a big you be you, you like you be 40 yeah uh, i like yeah. some of yeah i mean again I, it's for me it's I spent far too much time in pubs and listening to pub singers and yeah. <laughs> every pub singer does at least one or two UB40 songs. Yeah. And yeah, like I've, I've never heard Kingston town again in my life. It'll be too soon. Uh, something about you at number six by level 42. That's, that's a good song. That is a good song. That is quality. 
um, a good heart. Oh no, we missed. We missed trapped by Colonel Abrahams. That was a uh, Isabel. It Oh come on, Java's quality. I might I might cut a few of these in as we go along, but yeah. I probably won't because like laziest man in the world and it, it takes a lot of effort. So number four, good heart by Fergal Sharkey. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's quality. I didn't I didn't realize that it was only in later years when I actually got to know a bit more about music that Fer- Fergal Sharkey was the lead singer of the Undertones. Oh right. Who did uh, Teenage Kicks in? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Fergal Sharkey. Um, number three, Nikita by Elton John. Oh. Now we're getting into the, the big guns. <laughs> so I just remember the video. Remember the video to this? I'm just trying to remember which video that is now. Like, I'm well, just... obviously Nikita's a, a Russian lady, so it's. That's like, right, yeah. So the storyline of the video is that Elton John, I think he was playing, or he was in Russia. He might have been playing a concert, and then she was a a guard. Right at the airport or like she was a military person and he i think he kind of looks at her and then he's imagining what he'd do like i mean not in that way but he's imagining in like in a different world if, if they could be together what they would do like in in the uk in a normal life yeah so i think he like you know they do sort of fun british things but he takes her to go and watch watford play which is not really i mean i think i prefer to stay in russia to be honest, and be a communist and go and watch Watford play. But um, but yeah, that was, yeah, oh, that's a good song. And then Take On Me at number two by Aha. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can't beat that one. <laughs> and The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush, number one. That's a, that's a, an old. Crazy thing these songs is 36 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's an old sort of school disco end of the night song. The old slow dance. Uh, I do, I don't, do I, uh, if you have school discos now, I don't know if they do slow dances i've not been to a school disco for a long time which is probably a good thing as i'm in my 40s so <laughs> but, um but yeah so that was a good in my eyes as a solid top 10 top 10 yeah i would think um yeah so back to the wrestling what we, what we were talking about so this is so yeah so this was kind of so obviously wrestlemania is like the held up as the first sort of paper but this yeah. was like the one which was i think wrestlemania was only available in certain market so this was the first one which was like available everywhere apparently right so some people say this is like the first actual proper sort of readily available pay-per-view they did which it's a good job they did wrestlemania first wasn't it really because yeah. <laughs> if this would have been the first one i'm not sure we'd have got uh yeah we could have been having yearly wrestling classics instead but uh so yeah from the rosamund horizon i do like the so you get the the intro is the the old recognized symbolance recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment oh with the lasers oh, and I the old just, yeah uh, it's like being in the top like obviously you know I, I do 90s stuff but you go back to the 80s and see the logo with all the the, the lasers and things like that. it's like yeah. going a time machine yeah 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 but it does take you back to that that era so yeah so it's, it's a bit so that it's it's presented as wwf WrestleVision. yeah i'd never heard that before but I don't know where, if you look at the, I've seen the, a copy of like the DVD, no, not the DVD, I don't know if it's the DVDs of this, the VHS, yeah. like the VHS, it says uh, WWF and it says it's got like WrestleVision and then Dash and then the, the wrestling classic. So whether that was going to be like a, a series of stuff they did or, but it just seemed odd because I'd never, again, WrestleVision never crops up again, I don't think at any point. Yeah, I remember Silver Vision, but the Silver Vision was yeah, yeah. Silver Vision was like the later on when it the like the distribution and the the video sort of side of the company, wasn't it? Silver Vision. Yeah. But I don't know where Wrestle Vision came from. Again, the, the wrestling classic 
and on the DVD, on the VHS, it says a, like uh, a series of special events. So everybody had plans to make this kind of uh, like this WrestleVision thing, an actual thing, and then just shelved it after this. But yeah. So then they introduced that it's going to be again a 16-man tournament, which you, I, I enjoy a nice tournament to be honest. I know as time goes on, it's quite famous how much Vince loathed King of the Ring, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because you're having to pay multiple people to wrestle sort of multiple times or yeah it's crazy like um he's known not to like him and apparently they don't really draw that well like the uh talk, the king of the rings apparently didn't draw well yeah as of years on but uh back in the 80s like it was tournaments everywhere so it's weird if he still had that he had that mindset if i didn't like tournaments but yeah we still saw a lot of them yeah yeah no i mean see it's a, it's a 16 man tournament and you mentioned everybody in it we'll get to that in a minute but also giving away rolls royce as well Nice. Which is very 1985, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be a world title match with Hogan and Piper for the world title. So yeah, I, I was thinking, like, I mean, I think I knew it was a tournament, the Wrestling Classic. Yeah. But when I was watching this first time, I wasn't aware that the title match was on there as well. So, and I wasn't aware about the Rolls Royce either. But it's a bit too late because, you know, you can't end there because it was 36 <laughs> years ago. But, um, and then there's Vince looking, well, I say young. I don't think Vince has ever looked young, really. But that's the thing. In that, this kind of time period, everyone looked. The 80s seemed to be a time period where everybody looked in their early 40s, didn't they? At least yeah. even, the young, even the youngest person looked in their 40s. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like even the, the girl who was with him, uh, Susan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, the Susan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she was meant to be like 20s. Well, yeah, so this is Vince. And again, it's an odd combination of people. It's Vince, uh, Laura Alfred Hayes, and yeah. Susan Wakekiss. I didn't yeah. catch a second name. Yeah, so she doesn't exist, this woman. One, one, one of the takeaways from that <laughs> 90s wrestling podcast, when we see someone, it's like, should get them on the podcast. I wonder if they're alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I tried to like Google this woman. Because again, they, the way they said the name is because it's a name you could probably spell various different ways. So I've done a lot of work trying to find this woman she literally she doesn't exist <laughs> there's never there's no she they didn't even mention like if you go on the wikipedia page it's got uh obviously like the presenters lord alfred hayes okay, yeah. vince gene there's no mention of this woman she's been to witness protection <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a worrying <laughs> sign you see, see lord alfred hayes all over it <laughs> yeah yeah she may have gone into counseling after this yeah but but yeah she just yeah, she doesn't. She's not a real person. Well, she may have been a real person, but yeah, she doesn't exist in in the world now, which is slightly strange. You say still rip off a rubber mask like Mission Impossible, and it's Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but when the, but next year when she's announced for the Hall of Fame, it'd be like, well, <laughs> she is. Because again, if it, if it was, if this was like one of the first big major pay per views, well, again, like you said, we for it to be one of the first big major pay per views, it did. I'd never heard of this up until, up until a couple of years ago. And I never watched it until about two weeks ago. So yeah. it's not something they've kind of pushed, is it? It's kind of tucked away in the dark at the back somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an odd combination. Because again, I don't think, like from what we've been, what we were used to sort of growing up, you see Alfred Hayes doing the, like the sort of in the studio, doing like the pimping a pay-per-view or doing that sort of thing. When he, these recorded yeah. segments. So I don't think he's a he's a man for a live performance, to be honest, on this on the basis of this. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I don't know. No. 
so they run through the they, they got like a, they run through the draw and obviously to save time I don't even know if you could put a graphic together at this point in time but they just got a board a big board with all the all the pictures of the people like on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good and it's a, it's a big board so they've got a stick so, so I mean to be fair to Susan she, I think she's taller she's definitely taller than Alfred she might have she even been taller than Vince well we can say she could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny what he got. Like, can you find us the tallest woman you can find? <laughs> and she's got a stick as well. But yeah, so they're running through the draw. Um, but a pointer. And again, the, the they were like almost like fucking like Polaroid to the people up on the wall, aren't they? Yeah. They're very strange. Like the one, the Macho Man one looks completely bizarre. It's got like a big smile on his face and it's like frizzy hair, which he's always had. It looks like that's like a family picture. They put it, <laughs> he just put it up on the board though. My my favourite is when they was showing you like from earlier in the day the in the drawers. Yeah. And uh, Miss Elizabeth uh, is drawing out the name for Matchman and uh, it was it gets um, uh, Ivan Putsky. Yeah. And my Ivan Putsky, that ain't no good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that was straight. Yeah. So they go through it all and then they said like now we'll actually we told you what the draw is. Now yeah. we'll go backstage and we'll show you. Like yeah. let me get Nikolai Volkov in the ring. The famous Russian from from Croatia singing is again. I don't really know if that what he sings is a Russian national anthem. It just kind of it, it kind of it's in he's singing along to the song, the tune. But what the whatever's coming out is could be anything, can it really? Fucking hell. <laughs> um, and the match lasts what? I think it's like six seconds from bell to the pin. Oh yeah, it's basically dive and drop kick, one two three, finished. Yeah, I think it. Well. I've, I think the reason it took uh, as long as six seconds was because the referee took a long time to count. <laughs> we did again, and we got again. We got these weird, strange refs, and this guy is probably—I don't know—he's he's got to be in his. He looks in his sixes, seventies. I think he's probably thirty-five, but he's got. Yeah, he's a strange, and he—he he, he actually referees the fucking one of the well, a couple of the main events later on as well. But yeah, and he's got really long arms and looks like a strange kind of hybrid character. But yeah, so um, Dynamite Kid wins and is through and. Nikolai's out and he's not he's not particularly happy about that. So then we get um Macho Man out next. So very so he was I think he signed in the summer, so he wasn't around for the first WrestleMania. No. So uh, yeah, was, this was the in between because then they do the segments where he would they all the managers, which is a great flipping angle, all the managers was trying yeah. to become like his manager. Yeah, and, yeah. Brought out Miss Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, such a great angle. You don't see stuff like that that much anymore, no, do you? No. And again, yeah. So it was. It, but yeah. So it was. They were all going to try and queue up and get the services of the Macho Man. But yeah, ended up with Elizabeth. And they were. Uh, it's a good. Again, like you said, it's it's the juxtaposition of having the guy that kind of everybody. He's a good wrestler, but he's a dick. And he's a dick to her. Mm-hmm. But people want to cheer her and kind of feel sorry for her. Yeah. So she's over with the crowd. And oh, he's yeah. an asshole. So, but then you've got the kind of thing of like you don't want to see her upset, kind of thing. But you want her, you want the bloke she's with to to lose. Yeah. So, but again, for the for the time, again, there's a lot of kind of thought involved in that. Yeah, it's a good dynamic. And eventually it pays off, but that's not for another sort of three or four years. No. But yeah, it was a it was a, a an odd kind of a good combination. And he's wrestling Ivan Butsky, who was nope. he was 44 at this point. Built like a brick shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fucking muscle man. Yeah. Um but yeah, he looks like someone's he looks like someone's dad. From the head looks like someone's dad and the body is like fucking Mr. Universe. Kind yeah. of body. Um 
Yeah, so I mean, this is again, it's what two or three minutes. It's yeah. a quick match, and like he's basically Macho's playing a sort of a bit of a coward, a bit scared of Ivan Putski because he's big and strong, and but Putski spits, <laughs> he spits a savage as well, which is a bit yeah, strange. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he kind of goes, and then like I think the Macho Man gets a sneaky win, then he gets his feet on the ropes, and the the old classic heel. But I like it because Putski is obviously underneath it and he's kind of, as a ref's counting, he's pointing to the ref like mm. his feet are on the ropes, his feet are on the ropes. So the ref's like just doing the count. So, um, again, I, we, people would criticise this this tournament for, well, for a lot of things. But I quite enjoy having like all these matches under sort of five minutes. It's refreshing, ain't it? Uh, like I've mentioned it to other people. Like, uh, funny enough, I recorded with uh, Mags and we was doing the... Uh, Go home show from WrestleMania X7. Yeah. And all the matches was pretty much a couple of minutes. The main event was like seven minutes. Everything was just segments, uh, like interviews. And I said, it's just refreshing to see, like, because don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good wrestling match. Uh, my favorite wrestler is Bret Hart, which is well known. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, I appreciate a good wrestling match. But when it's weekly TV, and obviously, I know they need to fill up the TV time, but you can only watch so many 20 minute plus matches before it gets freaking t- tedious. Like I prefer nice little short matches, some squash matches and have your big matches at the pay-per-view. So when I'm watching this and don't get me wrong, there's a hell of a lot of matches to go through, but two or three minute matches, you got no time to get bored or get sick of these matches because they're over in a second. Yeah. And again, we, we, I just, we always spoke about loads of this podcast, by the lack of those kind of quick matches, on, on on TV or like just to kind of get people again if you do if you you don't have to have a cause I think if you I think I think Steamboat and Savage at WrestleMania is about nine or ten minutes yeah and that's held up as probably one of the best matches ever so you don't need it's kind, a it's kind of like Andy that these wrestlers uh, relied on more than just doing ring skills it was actually like they had characters and personalities and yeah yeah they didn't have to wrestle and kill themselves for twenty five minutes just to try and yeah. get a chance from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's different times, but then they were all, yeah. I mean, there's nobody really. I think if you, if you probably, if you switch over to NWA at this point, mm. you're going to get 20, 25 minute, you're going to get hour long Ric Flair matches. Yeah. Which were, I mean, and there's some really sort of seminal matches in that time period. Um, but then again, that was, even then, it was, that is what they do. And then this mm. is the, the alternative, the showbiz sort of characters, like the brightly lit arenas, you're not going to get the hour-long matches. Again, any I can't remember many matches at all in in up until kind of in the nineties. The longest you're going to get is twenty minutes, unless it's kind of like a specified sort of match. Like I remember, like even like, you go back to like Hogan and Warrior. In my mind, that was about an hour long. In reality, yeah. it, was, it was probably twenty minutes tops. That's right. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, so it doesn't have that. Like, so we don't. I quite enjoy having like short, sharp matches. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah. But obviously, some of the stuff is. Yeah. So Savage wins, and then you go back to Vince and Alfred and Susan backstage, and <laughs> Alfred's getting more and more <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> like a, and they get interrupted by Nikolai Volkov. It's very upset because of his loss, and he for some reason pulls his top up a little bit so he can see his belly. Yeah. I'm not sure that was. <laughs> what oh, was all about. He was trying to say, I didn't have my jumper off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then you got Steamboat and Davy Boy Smith, Davy Boy oh, Smith yeah. from Leeds at this point. 
and of these two faces, which happens a few times in this. Yeah. Match. But yeah, I mean, this is again, every, everyone knows we're massive fans of Steamboat on there and Davy Boy, especially this time period. Yeah, like Davy Boy was, I mean, Davy Boy's always been fast, but obviously, them early 90s, obviously, he got, he got bigger again. And, um, yeah. but he was so quick. I, I mean, I did write a note fact the amount of back knees he had was a joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I really enjoyed this match. This was one of the matches of the night for me. Like these two, that was so quick. Um, weird finish though, Andy. Yeah, I mean this was four minutes, I yeah. think. And I don't know if this was because again, it didn't look like it. You kind of think, did they? Is this something they come up with? I don't think if it could have been legitimate because it didn't look that painful, did it? No, to be honest and with you. What was he trying to do? I mean, they try, I think Gorilla was trying to say he was attempting the drop kick, so it was a, a bad <laughs> drop kick for attempted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn my video off because my light's gone off anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, yeah. yeah. That'll that help save my battery, actually. Yeah, um, do that, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was like he was attempting to do, like, um, a drop kick sort of thing. That's what Gorilla tried to explain, but... And it's weird that... Because uh, like it's like I'm uh, being a hypocrite, like saying you don't have to have long matches. But this match could have been like a couple of minutes longer, and uh, I was really enjoying it. And like the, when Steamboat hit a suplex on Davy Boy, I, that was mightily impressive for me. Yeah, um, but yeah, the and, finish was weird. And the ring sounds amazing, doesn't it? In this whole oh, event, yeah. the the sound of the ring, anyone hitting the canvas sounds incredible. But yeah, yeah. this um yeah the finish. I mean, I, I don't know what the what the intended finish was because obviously it's two faces. So, but yeah, so Davy Boy goes for something, a drop kick or whatever, and then basically somehow manages to crotch himself like on the middle rope or, or the top rope. Yeah. But but then the ref like stops it immediately. <laughs> yeah, straight away. Like... I'm pretty sure they, they must have. I mean, he can't unless he said like literally my knob snapped off or something like that. Or but like for it to be that quick. Again, I don't think the refs this night are particularly clued in on the finishes or anything. Yeah. But it does seem a bit strange for the refs to stop it that suddenly and for it yeah. to look. So it may have been like the, uh, that might have been the actual finish, but not the way they kind of plan to to get to it. So, yeah, a bit odd. Again, that's something you need to kind of go back and watch because I can't really describe what he actually did. But the match was brought to a pretty quick halt by David Boy doing himself a, a mischief on the rope. To Steamboat goes through, um, and then we get Junkyard Dog backstage. Now, I couldn't make out a word. <laughs> not really renowned for his promo skills, Junkyard Dog. No, uh, I mean he's massively over, but yeah, he's. Um, I don't know if that was the audio of the recording, um, or if it was just how he spoke. But yeah, you um, couldn't really hear him, man. But one of the things that confused me. Um, <laughs> He's talking to Gene. He says, "I want to say congrats to the Chicago." Yeah, was, yeah. I'm like, yeah. then, but then that was it. I'm like, Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Is there anything to end this, or is it just congratulations to Chicago in general? Yeah, because when he says it, they kind of both look at each other. Yeah, and like you can see like the fear in their eyes. You're like, what? And he's like, Gene's like waiting for him to finish, and he's like, oh, like I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he mentions Chicago and he goes, oh, 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 oh. he goes, yeah, I want to just congratulations Chicago. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then it's like a two second silence, and then yeah, we just move on. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like you said, he was he was and he looked again when I see 
most of the junkyard dog I might watch as, uh, matches I've watched have been a bit later than this. So he by that point he's not in the best of shape, but he looks he, he's in good shape at this point and massively over the crowd. Oh yeah, loved him. When I saw this, I thought, yeah, he's definitely going to win the tournament. Well, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hope this ain't a spoiler for anyone. I mean, why well, I say the show was 36 years ago, but yeah, I never watched it before tonight, but. Mm. I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be macho, but we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think. I was, yeah, I was trying to make myself look good. I didn't think Joker of Douglas was going to win the tournament. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and he's wrestling, he's going to wrestle in the Iron Sheik. Got to get him on my show one day. <laughs> he's, the same age, he's the same age as me at this point, the Iron Sheik. Wow. Think, I think I could probably, I could grow that moustache. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got the haircut already. Bit of fake I don't think. Maybe a spitting image. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could probably get some boots similar to those which he's wearing i don't think i could pull off the the middle part but the top yeah. and the bottom i could probably do um so yeah this is around the time where he's sort of teaming with nikolai as well mm. uh but i mean he always, always he always looks incredible doesn't he yeah that's weird isn't it he's always been in like great shape and uh i mean is he the greatest transitional champion of all time when you think about it it's well, yeah. to it's hard to actually. It's hard to actually think that this guy is actually a WWF champion. Yeah, and it was only, it was only what about a year a ago, week. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh, but it, it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, he was champion for a week. Yeah, it's crazy. But I always find about. that strange that like they because you had Backlund champion for fuck knows how long, didn't you? And then they took it off. They didn't want to. They wanted to take it off him, so they used Sheik. And yeah. then Backlund today, obviously, maybe he didn't want to lose, but he just vanished, then, didn't he? Yeah, well, all that mean, time. We, like we we're getting to that period now where he's just come back, like at Rumble '93, yeah, and WrestleMania nine. And like, when we're listening off the results, when he lost to um, Thingy Razor Ramon, Razor, yeah, like, that's actually his first televised pinfall loss. <laughs> mm. So, but then again, when he was wrestling TV, probably wasn't invented. But yeah, um, oh, yeah. I mean, we we covered WrestleMania nine, I think, start of the year when we were doing WrestleManias. Yeah, and that's a that's a bad match, isn't it? <laughs> match at WrestleMania because Razor, I think he was injured, wasn't he? Razor as well. Something like that. And I mean, my our uh, talking point afterwards, and I said to Max, I'm like, if I had to say, if you had to pick who would be the WWF champion in about 18 months' time, who would you pick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but like when he had when he came back and he had that run. Obviously, when he brought him back, I think he brought him back at a Rumble that year, didn't they? That's right. And he got over, or he, well, he lasted a while. And mm. so at this point, he's still, he was still face. But yeah, even by, right. by this point, even though we're not even, this is not even like even remotely near the Attitude Era. But by this point, it was like people aren't going to cheer for Bob Backlund, are they? No. No, <laughs> no. even in 90, was it was in 92. It's like, yeah. Or mm, well, 90, no, 93, wasn't it? It was 92. Uh, 93 came 93, back. 93, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that WrestleMania, people in 1993 aren't going to cheer for just Bob Backlund from 1984. No. <laughs> no, they're going to cheer for Razor Ramon because Razor Ramon is cool and vaguely interesting, whereas Bob Backlund's just Bob Backlund. Yeah. But so, yeah, so Iron Sheik was still around. He was around until 87 when he, he got fired after the well publicized issue with him and Jim Duggan getting found with, I think, Duggan, they got pulled over by the police and Duggan was high on weed and Sheik was full of crack. <laughs> Apparently, Vince uh, was more upset for the fact that he wasn't upset about for the case that they got caught with drugs, but the case that they was riding together and they was like rivals at the time. 
Yeah, yeah, they were in the feud run at the time, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Then uh, Junkyard Dog then comes out to his world-class theme music, um, Grab Them Cakes. Yeah, I couldn't really hear it clearly because it sounded like it was dubbed in. Well, later on, when you get to, well, spoilers, when you get to the, the last match of the night, I think they literally just dubbed that in. And it's like fully, yeah. you can hear it properly then. That's Whereas right. at this point, you can't really hear it. And you've got the, uh, again, you've got the long-armed old man ref back. And for some reason, he gets really upset with when Junkyard Dog's coming in the ring. He's got the collar and the, the chain on. Yeah. And the ref takes great offense to the collar and the chain. He's like shouting at him to tell him to take it off. And Sheik take this, takes the opportunity to attack Junkyard Dog. And then, yeah, so this is another short match. But he's choking him out with his fucking headscarf. Yeah. And the ref's just watching, basically. The match has started by this point. But it's, again, this is some strange stuff. So they get the, he gets the camel clutch on. You notice this? And he caught him in the camel clutch. And then, like, they're doing the thing about, oh, he's, you know, they're testing his arm and putting his arm up once, twice. And then they kind of, they get, like, to a bit, and they kind of, I think everybody gets a bit confused. The ref gets confused. And then they end up with, basically, Sheik's led on top of Junkyard Dog. Well, at this point, I thought Sheik was going to win. Mm. <laughs> that was way wrong. Because <laughs> he had a minute, and like, it's like, yeah, he's, he's fading. But then for some reason, I think they're doing the arm thing. And then he lets go like it after the first arm, Sheik, for some reason. And then he ends up, because Junkyard Dog's still kind of playing dead. And then they basically, he's just led on top of Junkyard Dog then for about three or four seconds. Yeah. And they're just trying to work out what we what we're supposed to be doing. But they're both kind of led there. And the ref obviously hasn't got a fucking clue where he is, to be honest. Uh, and then he just wakes up Junkyard Dog and gives him a headbutt and like a, a sneaky pin. And he's through to the next round. Then you get... Terry Funk <laughs> and Jimmy Hart yeah. backstage. So we were, I went back and started watching the Saturday Night's main events like from the beginning. Right. And I never really, I wasn't really aware of that much of, so he, he was a big, those early Saturday Night's main events. Funk was all over those. Yeah, it's weird because I didn't realise how much of a run he had in the yeah. 80s WWE. Like, I'm myself and like I suppose everyone else just associates him with Japan or ECW or his Attitude Era run. So this run in the eighties, like I, no, I, I, I knew he was in WWE, but I didn't realize he had quite a prominent role in WWE during the eighties. Yeah, because he was feuding with JYD and yeah, matches with Hogan on Saturday Night's main event around this time. Yeah. But yeah, you kind of as only when we did we did the episode on Terry Funk, we went back and looked at it and it was like actually yeah, he was quite a big part of that sort of breakthrough period when they're on Saturday night's main event and they're getting like massive fucking ratings and it's Terry Funk and Hulk Hogan and he's got his fucking branding iron and spitting tobacco. <laughs> yes, which he does in this promo. Spits the tobacco. Um and he just he looks like again, they they were playing up like the he looks, looks like a sm- he looks like he stinks, like a smelly cowboy. Yeah. And he's talking about he's cause at this point there's uh Bobby Heenan's got the bounty out on Paul Orndorff. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, oh, I'm going to collect the bounty and Piper's going to beat Hogan and lots of shouting. And who's he wrestling then? Terry Fuck's wrestling. Moondog Spot. Yeah, that's a blessing of fast name of the Moondog. <laughs> I remember as a teenager uh, grabbing a wrestling magazine, a WWE magazine that was talking about uh, the greatest tag team champions or like a list of the tag team champions. And I saw a picture in the Moondogs. I'm like, wow, they they look fucking weird. Um, that was the only time I remember them. So when... I saw Moondog Spot come up. I'm like, wow, that's a blessed one pass. That's like 70s type WWF. Yeah, yeah. WWF. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? Because if you think about like the um, 
Uh, the bushwhackers i was up until about a year ago i just the bushwhackers were the bushwhackers yeah and i went back and watched a few um clash of the champions and stuff and like up until the late 80s they were still sort of nwa like territory people and they were like they had some fucking vicious matches they were the sheep herders that's right yeah and they're like savage like blokes from new zealand they have like fucking like death matches with people yeah, and then the, <laughs> Vince is like, yeah, I'll, we'll sign you and then we'll make you the, the lovable bushwhackers. Yeah, like children's heads. <laughs> yeah. I imagine they made far more money doing that than they did doing splitting oh, there. But, but you always you look back now and you think they're there, like, again, doing the whole bushwhacker thing and the kids are, like, loving it and that. And the, you look at the grooves on their head where they've obviously bled so many yeah. times. Like, you didn't see when we were kids, you didn't notice that, did you? No, you don't. It's like uh, <laughs> no, now no. when you think about it, it's like grabbing... I don't know, for example, Nick Gage getting him to do a, a gimmick where he's like hugging kids and whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't see it happen. <laughs> no, no, no. But you never know. A few quid. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that, yeah. So it was, again, I wasn't really, it's, again, like you said, we'd growing up and read those magazines, you'd hear like names like the Moondogs mentioned and stuff like that. But I'd never actually seen a Moondog in action until tonight. Oh, you're saying yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, he looks just looks confused in the ring. We get we get a little bit later. We get to we get to see an interview with with Moondog Spot, and we kind of work out why he's confused. But but Fear Funk comes out, and I don't really. So Funk comes out, and he's like, "Well, we don't want to wrestle, do we?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're both. He was like, "We'll both. We'll just take a draw. We'll both walk out together." But point, I think Gorilla points out, "Well, then they're both out if they do that." Yeah. So it's probably pointless coming to the venue in the first place if that was the. But Moondog Spot agrees to it. And they're both walking out. But then obviously they're trying to, I suppose it's the kind of trying to catch each other out, mm. which Funk eventually turns on and, and, and starts beating Moondog Spot up. And it tries to get back in the ring before, because the ref started to ring the bell, then he started to count. So Funk's plan is, I suppose, well, we'll walk out together. I'll take him out and I'll run back in and get the cheap victory, which he tries to do. He doesn't quite work it out. And then he backdrops Spot into the ring. Yeah, it was great. And Spot gets the win. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but I mean, would you rather would you rather watch that sort of five minute little scenario or like a 10 minute kind of boring sort of like that was entertaining, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just like comical. You know, they tried to double cross him and, uh, it, you know, it, it turned it, it turned on him. So uh, it was funny. I'll tell you the interesting thing I wrote, though, the Moondogs. Do you know how many members of the Moondogs there was? Well, I knew the guy. Who was the guy that was the, one of the when he did the original demolition? Oh, Randy Collier, I think some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we because we did obviously demolition on my fucking you know probably my favorite tag team of all time. We did an yeah. episode of demolition, and they were like when they started demolition, it was Axe and Randy Collie, and all the crowd was chanting Moondog, Moondog, Randy That's right, yeah. <laughs> So they said actually we'll get someone else in. So. How many Moondogs were there in, in total? There's been 29 different Moondogs. <laughs> <laughs> There's even been some female ones called Fifi. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, you know how he, how he died, Moondog Spot? Yeah, I mean, tell everyone, but yeah, I read up on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, he died at Jerry Lawler's birthday, birthday show, didn't he? In, um, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, that's the way to go, isn't it? Oh, yeah, died in the ring. Yeah, died in the ring at Jerry Lawler's birthday party. Um... Yeah, so then Funk gets back in and gets angry and yeah, but yeah, I mean that's over pretty quick, isn't it? That went to be fair. There's quite a few matches on there that weren't actual matches, are there really? But 
as soon as you got to get through 15 matches in the night, then in two and a half hours, then got to move on. So, Mr. Fuji, Don Morocco. So, we, when we covered, we covered the first ever Saturday Night's Main event. We did a lot of steamboat stuff. And at this point, it was a steamboat in Morocco were kind of feuding. And uh, Steamboat had a karate challenge against Mr. Fuji on, I can't remember which one it was, like <laughs> the third or the fourth Saturday Night's Main event. But they were in a big feud at this point. And Don Morocco, Don Morocco went on to have his own, again, that like, I was thinking today, uh, like, uh, it's a certain things that need to die in wrestling. Yeah. I would say contract signings. Yeah. And uh, talk shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if I see another wrestling talk show, I think, like, it's just laziest fucking, and it's like, same as contract signings. Mm. So lazy. It's like, this will fill up 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know? Same as, and again, the talk show things. And again, again, if, if I'm going to go full on modern day wrestling rant we can also get rid of the can these people coexist in a tag team oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they've done it again didn't they they've done it with biggie and drew mcintyre tonight yeah 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 can they yeah. can they coexist well clearly no yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's so lazy isn't it yeah lazy booking uh talk show thing i'm in agreement don't get wrong i don't if it's used sparingly with the right people um when it's like your jericho for example um yeah. or jerry lolith and yeah but when they're giving one to everyone i mean i think even baron corbin's got one now and yeah, i like yeah. Cor- i like yeah. corbin but he doesn't need one <laughs> no 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 it just seems like it's a, it's a it's a trope to just kind of fill time yeah which is probably again a reason why the ratings aren't that good is if they're struggling stuff but the amount of wrestlers that they've got and the amount of talent there and this goes for you know we've everybody kind of slags off wwe but you look at AEW as well and again the amount of people they've got there now they've got such a the roster gets bigger every week everyone yeah. more people getting signed on a weekly basis and you still waste time on stuff with people which you know like the whole stuff with the the jericho inner circle feud with the fucking MMA people and like I don't know that might there might be people into I mean again to us in the UK I don't know who any of those people are I'm, I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not I'm not over I'm not in, I'm not into UFC or that kind of thing so yeah. but all that kind of thing it, it just yeah it, it just seems like you're wasting time when you've got people that aren't actually getting used and you're wasting time which is stuff which is yeah it's not really going to get anyone over and nobody particularly enjoys it so but there we go that's the weekly fucking moan about current stuff let's get back to terry funk <laughs> <laughs> trying to chase the moon dog out of the ring um so you got tito santano he's intercontinental champion at this point yeah he was over there like giving him that push it's weird because tito was someone that suited the 80s because he was a great mid-card wrestler yeah but he never seemed to evolve from that spot <laughs> and uh but yeah the icy champion so uh he had a good little run with that icy belt but it was talking now. I remember, I can't remember, maybe when we did the Brett episode, that around that time when they were looking to push like a new, again, with the time where Hogan was on his way out, that kind of thing. Like Tito Santana was up there with the people they were considering to be like, yeah. especially with his like Hispanic background as well. That's right. Appealing yeah. to that demographic. He could, if things would have worked out differently, he could have been, could have been WWF champion at several imagine points. The, you'd imagine the Montreal screw job, Brett, uh, Vince Man screw, that'll matter though. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, once he came back as a matador, I was like, yeah, they're probably not going to make him champion. I don't know. But no. <laughs> that was weird. Again, that was a time of, again, weeks and weeks and weeks of vignettes. El Matador is coming soon. And then, yeah. And then it was, it was Tito Santana in a, in a matador of mask. Yeah. Good times. Um, Don Morocco, again, he's a, an 80s man, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, my favourite part <laughs> was uh, during the uh, interview with uh, Gene. Gene says he has to be in top condition to win this, but while he's saying that, he's looking at Morocco's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that gave, that gave me a chuckle when that happened. <laughs> well, the, when I got when I started off on that rant about talk shows, is that he had a, not long after this, he had a talk show on WWF TV, Don Morocco. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, I mean, again, this is the old man, long arms ref again. So Tito rolls up. So the the, the, the finish. I thought Don Morocco won this match. Well, that was it. Um, like Morocco got the pinfall, and I think uh, Santana's feet was on the ropes. One, two, three. The bell rang. So like, yeah, Morocco's advancing. But then, like, as soon as the bell rang, the referee decided to change his mind. But it was no Fantastic. visible kind of sign of that. Because, again, oh. they, they showed the replay, and you, the way the replay was shown, you couldn't see Tito Santana's legs. No. So from the replay, it's like, yeah, that's a clear one, two, three. And they, they ring a bell, and then the ref sort of stands there for a bit. And then Santana gets up and, and drop kicks Morocco and then rolls them up. And the ref counts again. And then they say, the they say, oh, yeah, obviously the ref changed his mind. But there's no visible sign of the ref changing his mind. What it looks like is basically he just... Counted another three count. Yeah. So uh yeah, but, uh, weird finish, so Morocco was robbed. <laughs> he was robbed, yeah. Yeah. So the Bobby and uh Bobby Heenan and then Gene Oakland backstage and Bobby talks about the the, the bounty out on Orndorff and he's got nobody he doesn't it's strange. I think well, he came in around not long after this, not long before it's Heenan, didn't he? He was and then he was kind of scouting for new talent. Yeah. Um but then, so we've got the last, the last of the first round matches, which is Orndorff versus Cowboy Bob Orton. It seems weird that we, I covered a Bob Orton match a couple of weeks ago from 2005. <laughs> yeah. He was wrestling with Randy in the, uh, in the fucking uh, coffin match with Undertaker. That's right. Mm. One way Nelly gave Taker uh, hepatitis C. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But he still had the. Taker killed him backstage as well. When he yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. After he recovered from being burnt alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were both. I mean, Orndorff turned face after WrestleMania. That was on a Saturday night's main event. Um, I think that was after the first Saturday night's main event. Piper kind of turned on Orndorff in an interview, and then he came down and helped Hogan later on. Orndorff. But this was uh, this is probably one of the longer matches on the card, really. Yeah, it was surprisingly. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a um, big fan of uh, Orndorff, and I mean, shame when he passed away this year, and I, I'll be honest, Andy, he was someone who I wanted to reach out to, to get him on the show, but I heard about his health issues, so out of respect, I didn't even bother reaching out, and yeah. uh, when he sadly passed away, uh, I was upset, because he was someone who generally loved the, the wrestling business, and it's always sad when you hear the old-timers pass away, uh, so yeah, it was upsetting, but he was such a specimen, wasn't he? He was in such great shape, and he was kind of like the number two baby face during this time. Well, yeah, because they, they said they turned him heel, uh, turned him face, and he was aligned with Hogan, wasn't he, at this point? He was like Hogan's mate. Um, and, 
yeah, I mean, we again I've covered him fairly recently on the we did an episode about four ball I can't remember which four ball it was, but that was when it was Orndorff and Gary Spivey doing their thing. <laughs> we go backstage with Vince and this is when Alfred is literally well oh, yeah, that's why I wrote down creepy Alfred. He's grabbing <laughs> Susan. <laughs> like it's not again, like on this podcast we do talk a like a lot about different times and stuff, but this I think someone said to him, like, you need to be a bit kind of frisky, probably. And he doesn't he hasn't quite got the grasp the the task. So he's yeah. just basically grabbing at a woman <laughs> and she's there uh, sort of smiling as he's sort of grabbing her. And Vince is like, can we kind of get your attention, please? Because we need to go through the drawer for the next round. And we need to get the big stick out. <laughs> so, yeah. So the big stick come out. So it's Adrian Adonis and the Dynamite Kid. Savage versus Steamboat, which is uh, a preview for what's going to come ahead in the next few months. JYD against Moondog Spot. And Tito Santana and Paul Orndorff. And then Funk comes in and starts shouting and screaming and frightens Alfred. So the Alfred kind of stands behind again, got no kind of positional sense of where he should be. So he sort of stood behind Vince while yeah. Funk's doing the promo. And then he comes out and Funk starts shouting it Alfred Hayes. So, uh, yeah. And so Dynamite Kid versus Adrian Adonis. I mean, like, we, we everybody, has anyone I went back and did, we did the episode about the, about David Boy Smith and we did, I watched a few sort of world of sport David Boy Smith matches and then, I actually did a bit of research. I, to be fair, on this podcast, I've only been the only one who's done any fucking research ever out of the two of us, traditionally. Um, yeah. But I actually went back and watched some New Japan Bulldog stuff. I think they feuded with each other for a while as well, David Boy and Dynamite Kid. That's right, yeah. And like that stuff basically looks like wrestling today. And that was yeah. 1983, 1984? Yeah. There's no difference, basically. It's stiff and is as, get it, hard hitting and kind of and that is that was fucking almost 40 years ago yeah well, i mean especially when you watch uh dynamite's matches against uh tiger mask um yeah like uh i spoke to, well i spoke to dynamite's daughter about um uh, bronwyn mm. and uh, i also spoke to uh tyson kid about the matches and both of them like you put their matches up against today stands up so well yeah definitely and physically he looks like a wrestler from today as well oh yeah he's a I mean, it's uh, we'll get into his matches there, but it's such a shame, like, what happened. Uh, obviously, we've all seen a Dark Side of the Ring episode, but, like, his health issues after the thing, what happened with the Mountie and, like, his drug dependency. Could you imagine how he stayed healthy in that? Like, instead of Brett Fee Bulldog at SummerSlam 92, which it's one of my favourite matches, imagine if it was Brett Fee Dynamite, um, mm. you know, because... Uh, love bulldog but it's easy to say that dynamite was the better wrestler it's not a stretch to say that but he could have been such a great mid-card champion though even like we mentioned like when they was looking at the names um imagine if dynamite's name was in there for them to get the european uh fans to get behind uh he could have been capable but unfortunately backstage issues held him back and uh such a shame, but he could have been such a big star for him, like as a single star. Yeah, I mean the pair of them. If you look at it, obviously through the years, you had the period where they were both there as the Bulldogs, and they both left, and then Davy came back. Mm. Early nineties, looking like again tank, <laughs> tanked up with the dreadlocks, and then you had the you know which led to SummerSlam. Yeah, but they both had whether it's the the whole thing about I think in this country we do the kind of flawed genius thing 
quite well. You mm. think back to like Gaza, that sort of person, like Yeah. Even these blokes are like again, they, they were both massively talented, incredibly talented. Probably in a different time, they could both be probably the biggest stars in the world, but they had issues. Obviously they were in a business where almost everybody at this point had issues with in either with drugs or with alcohol or the lifestyle kind of led to that. But those guys, even them could have been, you know, massive worldwide stars, but it just didn't really work out. Again, like say Davey was headlined in SummerSlam 92. Yeah. And then a year later, he was wrestling over here, like locally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. From being, you know, a massive star to, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of what if, isn't it? The pair of them. Again, then you see, so we watch this match and like Dynamite Kid looks like every every inch of a, a wrestler today, which would be, you know, you, you put your mind of Daniel Bryan in a way. Yeah, I mean, and even to uh, obviously tragedy aside, but I mean, Chris Benoit, like obviously what he done, yeah. what he done, terrible thing. But if you focus on Benoit's in-ring skill, obviously he's one of the best ever when it comes to wrestling. And he's always said his biggest influence was Dynamite. And you can see that when you look at Dynamite, the way he was built and the way Benoit's built, it's mirror image when you actually think back to how both shortage, uh, Dynamite was like 5'8", I think Benoit, not much taller, if not the same height, and oh. both like the same physique, for example. Yeah, you can see in the match, and again, when obviously Dynamite wins this match, um, but in the, the match against Savage uh, later on, the, the headbutts, that kind of thing, which is with Benoit's kind of trademark, the headbutt from the top row, the flying headbutts, that sort of thing. So you can see that he was massive, but they all came through. Obviously, Benoit came through that same sort of pathway that yeah. Dynamite could do, going through Canada and through the hearts and that kind of thing, in Stampede and where you're Brett and Owen. So it's a, that, that kind of all whole area, the, the lineage of that, it's produced a lot of, you know, world-class, and they'll always go down. Again, Benoit, you have to kind of, if you can separate, I don't mean separate it, but if you look at the, this wrestling canon, if you mm. try and step aside from the part that he murdered his family and killed himself, that'll always go down as being one of the best ever, so... Yeah. I saw a meme the other day, you know, and <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> I felt so evil for laughing. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, the Randy, <laughs> the Randy Orton theme, I hear voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a picture of them where you hear voices, Randy, so do I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> I, I felt so bad for laughing. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, you have to kind of, you have to be able to, uh, I mean, I a couple of weeks ago, I professed how much I love Gary Glitter. <laughs> oh. on this show so but you, you kind of have to be able to i think that's just that is kind of common sense I'm, I'm, i was i was always a massive smith's morrissey i've seen morrissey yeah. countless times obviously morrissey now is kind of a. I don't think you can say you can't sort of claim cancel culture for morrissey because morris has always been there was stuff even in the 90s where he would be flirting with stuff which was pretty close to the bone in regards to right wing stuff and and obviously as time's gone on he's kind of affiliated himself with some pretty dodgy opinions and some you know fairly right wing stuff but it's still you know I, I still class him as probably one of my favorite artists and the Smiths of my favorite bands I wouldn't go and see him play live now because I think I saw him play live about two or three years ago and I was like this is probably the last time I can ever see him play live because it gets to a point where you can't really like you, you give people a fair amount of leeway 
it's like well, there's only so much leeway you can give people and like actually yeah the stuff you said i think a lot of the stuff morrissey says is for in the past it was always for kind of shock value and stuff like that but he came out like with stuff around when the the Manchester bombing that sort of thing, and he's from Manchester. Yeah. And he came out sort of supporting a lot of like he came out like with fucking pro Tommy Robinson stuff like that, and it's like well that's like yeah that's that's like kind of uh, the end basically. Once you get to that point, is yeah. You, but you still but but I still listen to the Smiths. I still listen to Morrissey. Mm. I still watch Chris Benoit matches. I still I don't go out to listen to Gary Glitter songs, but. Yeah. You know, I can still. Gary Glitter made some good songs in the eighties. You know? Yeah, I'm not endorsing the fact that he's a massive fucking paedophile. <laughs> but you kind of have to be able to. Again, if if you looked at, if you go back and watch how many film directors, I mean, the majority of wrestlers are. Again, we, we were in that period now where you got the Dark Side of the Ring stuff with Ric Flair. Well, I think everybody knew that Ric Flair was a a deviant of certain kind of levels. But it, it gets to a point where, and like that's probably down to us as, as wrestling fans is that oh that's part of the you know that's a gimmick you know he's got a different woman in every town that sort of thing and you kind of go with it but if people end up getting called out for their action then but it doesn't take away from rick flair being the greatest probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time or the greatest wrestler of all time however much of a cunt he is but but yeah <laughs> what are we talking about we're talking about um dynamite, dynamite yeah. kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, um, I was impressed that Adrian Adonis like put on the uh, sharpshooter. Hmm. <laughs> but again, he was, yeah, he, he was a up until well, but I think at this point where he started doing the, but he spoke about earlier about him putting a bit more weight in kind of that gimmick. But he's a good wrestler, and when like when he spoke earlier on after the first match, he got a decent promo as well. So he probably had all yeah. the. Um, but even in this match, he, like he had his. I'm not sure if it was after the bell rang, but. They were complaining he had his foot on the ropes. We did have his foot on the ropes, Adrian Adonis. Yeah. On the free. So he could he's robbed as well. Somebody else robbed. <laughs> and so, uh Yeah. Yeah, because uh one of the things like after the match, uh, Dynamite was playing up like he had a bit of a knee injury afterwards, which went into like his next match. So uh yeah, just a bit of selling, you can't beat it. Yeah. Well put like midway through this. Uh, Jesse Ventura announced he's gonna go backstage because he's gonna speak to Randy Savage. To give him a bit of a uh, bit of an info about the, his opponents, um, and then he gets an interview with Gene Oakland backstage saying, "Or oh, you heard about two heads are better than one. What about three heads? He's mm. going to help Savage and Liz out." And then the next match, so I like this because it's kind of maybe it, it always like when we get to the end, it feels like they were kind of leading to something, but he didn't ever that never actually happened. Like the whole Savage Ventura kind of thing, there was never any kind of follow through on that but so next match is Steamboat and Savage yeah I like that he got he got that a lot of people got were in the ring when the match started he got his full intro for every match Savage he did yeah yeah with the music and they even had a different robe on every time as well that's right yeah when I uh, spoke to Sean Mooney Sean Mooney mentioned uh, spoke about match man he said that he always put like a he always invested in like he's a wardrobe basically like he's ring attire and like because he's uh because matchman said to him he said the reason i do it is because i know that all these people wear cards to earn the money to watch the show so i want to make sure i give all these people the money's worth so such a great yeah. mentality to have i mean like I, both these guys i fucking love both these guys but savage was especially this period yeah it's incredible he had everything yeah 
such a massive was, star. He was a great like, and this is a like I've never I haven't really watched too much of Savage's early stuff like, but before WrestleMania three, you could say I've watched his WrestleMania three match and a lot of the things afterwards. But watching this, like he's this is like these really early days in WWE. Yeah, uh, I haven't really seen much of it, so it was yeah. But yeah, you could tell straight away like um, he was going to be a big star. Obviously, we got hindsight, but I think everyone in attendance, uh, the way he was booked, and everyone in attendance knew that he was going to be one of the biggest stars of the company. Yeah, and the way they booked him as well. Okay, yeah. it's, it's not a coincidence that he got his full intro every time. Mm. You know? Um, yeah, this match, I mean, it's, yeah, we've seen, well, we've seen better versions of this match like a couple of years down the line, but yeah, Steamboat, again, it's strange that obviously Steamboat had his run in NWA before this and got fucked off with the booking basically because I think he was feeding with yeah. Tony Blanchard for ages Dusty was booking and he just kept losing to Tony Blanchard so he was like yeah I'll, I'll move across yeah. um, which kind of happened a few times in and out but uh, yeah I mean they, they played up more of the when he moved to WWF they played up more of the martial arts kind of thing yeah this is probably around the time when did Karate Kid come out was that yeah it's 84 I think it came out 83, 84 so yeah this is Right on that sort of time. Yeah, we're not too far off that sort of time period. Yeah, because yeah, you had the sequel as well. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like in between that. But he never really wrestled, yeah, he wrestled like in, when he came out in like sort of karate stuff, and they played like more of the, I don't think he was the dragon. He was. I don't think he was ever the dragon in, he was, he was a dragon when he went back to WCW. I don't think he was a dragon in, I think he might have uh, been Ricky Steamboat in, before this. I think they did do the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because didn't he have a feud with um, Jake Roberts and Ricky had like a Komodo Dragon? And yeah, Jake yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a title when we did when we did our um we did an episode of Ricky Steamboat and that was the title of the episode was Dick Blood and his Crocodile. That was the uh, yeah. title because obviously his name's Richard Blood. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he did. He brought a, a Komodo Dragon out, which was yeah, it looked like a crocodile basically. He's yeah, a ghost few... major as well, you know. I've tried to contact him and you can't find him. It's Steamboat. Yeah, yeah. I would love to get one. Yeah, but he was never a particularly good. He strikes you as not a good kind of talker. Yeah. Yeah, communicator. I don't know. Seems to do a lot of uh, conventions and signings and that, but just would love to know how to get his uh, contact details. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine the stories he could tell. He's been through everything. Yeah. If you tried to get Jake on. Uh, I've spoken to their management. Uh, they said to reach back out November, so fingers crossed. Have you got much of a AEW kind of uh, affiliation or no? I've, no links uh, in there. I've been on a couple of their press events and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and I keep messaging them like any chance of getting any interviews, but they just keep saying, "Oh, we've got no interviews available." But I tell you what, it is. A lot of them, they only do interviews with people who's got like a big brand behind them, like Inside the Ropes or Fightful and people yeah. like that. So me, independent, uh, just show by myself, basically. They don't really, uh, don't wrong, if what if the numbers keeps going up, hopefully they do. If they see that you're doing good numbers, then they've got no choice, basically. But yeah. if, if, you're not, if you haven't got a big name behind you, because it's weird, because it's even like, I suppose Alex McCarthy is one of the most respected journalists in England. Uh, when I've looked at his YouTube numbers, a lot of my interviews out does ease. So, yeah. but it's just, but because he's got, for example, talk spot behind him and stuff like that, he's got like a, you know, a, 
a proper like established name behind him even though like a lot of my interviews actually outdoes these so it's it's a weird thing basically uh but hopefully one day like I, i've been on a couple of the press events with them and uh they do send me some media stuff every week but it's just trying to build them sort of relationships but fingers crossed one day well, i think the thing is that you you want to get like if you've got somebody who's interviewing people that are like established wwe stars or still in WWE at the minute hmm. what are you going to talk about they're probably yeah. under like directions of what they're going to talk about so if you get like somebody you have and he's slayer he's slayer's yeah. got no qualms about talking about anything i'd imagine Mm. Whereas if you get like Roman Reigns on your podcast, well, what's Roman Reigns going to want to talk about? You're pretty yeah. limited, really, aren't you? Yeah. What is he going to talk right. about? Balance. I mean, obviously, I suppose they'll talk about current stuff and storylines, but it's it's because that's what I found with uh, Impact Wrestling. You kind of have to like test the waters on what you can talk about, sort of thing. So with WWE, because I've mentioned to uh, the Gobertrains, who's going to sort it out. Uh, they like, what do you talk about? And with my interviews, if people check them out, you know that they're really in-depth and I do like a full career interview. So when it comes to WWE, if I do get the chance to do it, I don't think they'll be giving me like an hour, an hour and a half to go through someone's career. They'll probably give me like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. So it'd probably be like, with if I was given the opportunity to do that, it would probably talk about some of their highlights they've had in their career, but then like talk about their current roles in WWE. So it's kind of adapting to circumstances you have to be in to do them interviews so it'd be interesting if it happens one day <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah you might get to find out in the in the near future fingers crossed yeah, yeah it'd be difficult trying to get the kind of stuff out if you had to pick anyone on the the current sort of wwe roster who would you pick? Um, i mean roman would be one of them yeah uh, just for simple fact he's a bigger star i mean uh if it counts Edge and Brock Lesnar, I suppose, um, if they count as active roster. Um, yeah. uh, who else? Um, Seth Rollins. I'm Seth Rollins fan. Um, Our Truth, because I think it'll just be hilarious. Yeah, he'd be good, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love to get Our Truth. Um, Becky Lynch would be great. Uh, Finn Balor. Uh, yeah. I'd like to hear a few of the UK guys. I would love to interview uh, Pretty Deadly from NXT UK, because I'm a big fan of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone, to be honest, but yeah, I would say like your big names, like your Romans and your Seth Rollins and stuff, uh, would be the big ones. Um, but yeah, um, and as for AEW, I suppose Jericho, uh, he's pretty, he would probably top the list for me. Uh, Kenny Omega, I suppose, would be okay. Um, and Hangman. Um, but yeah, that like if I'm if they said to me, oh, WWE, if they said to me oh, you can interview, I don't know, say, Cedric Alexander. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just give me one interview to allow me to prove myself, to show that I'm competent in what I'm doing, then hopefully that'll lead to bigger yeah. things. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, my dream interview is Bret Hart. I've said to everyone, if ever I get Bret Hart on one day, I will just pack the podcast in because it'll never get topped after that. That'll just peak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's out and about, and he's, he's doing stuff, and he's... I've spoken to Tyson Kidd because I uh, talked to him uh, the odd week and that, uh, and he is uh, he's going to get in touch with uh, Brett's people. He organises his interview, so fingers crossed it might happen. Oh mate, that'd be amazing. Oh, um, <laughs> I I just have the big I had a big smile on my face when I interviewed RVD. Oh, someone yeah. else would be Jeff Hardy. I would love to speak Jeff Hardy. Yeah, um, but yeah, if ever I got Brett, I'll just have a 
smile on my face through the whole interview. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Right. So steamboat macho man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the finish. Um, I really enjoyed the finish when Steamboat was uh, getting there because Macho's on the uh, ringside apron. Yeah. And uh, Steamboat's getting in the back body drop and uh, Savage gets to like the brass nooks, hits him in the head and covers him one, two, three. I thought it was such a yeah. great little heel finish. We get the thing where like he's he gets him knocked out and he tries to hit him and he misses. And yeah. Steamboat gets him up to do the move and then he hits him whilst he's in the move. That's right. But then that kind of plays into the, the whole Jesse thing. Like Jesse's been backstage kind of giving him advice. Do you yeah. kind of think like maybe you give him the 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 brass knuckles, whatever, or and obviously just yeah. back on commentary by this point. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, that was good because again, you think oh he's fucked it up because he's missed with the brass knuckles. Then he gets him in the move, and then he hits him on the way down, and it kind of works. Then we get an interview with Moondog Spot and his bone. What did that bone come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's guys, well, like a lot of the, the backstage stuff. There's people. There's a guy like looking around the corner around there. Yeah. Uh, the 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 uh, the background sort of poking his head in. Uh, yeah, this doesn't really give us much of a insight into what Moondog stop, uh, Spot's motivations are. He just kind of looks confused. Yeah. And then yeah, so he wanders out to the ring, Moondog Spot, and then we get JYD out and he announced the match. And then yeah, they start wrestling. I didn't realise it took me a long time. But there's no there's no ref, is there? Well, that was it. I went up to make myself a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and then i hear the bell ring and then they said jyd's counted the pin for himself i'm like you what and i, yeah. revert, I, I rewind it i was like oh he did so i'm like well <laughs> he broke the rules yeah yeah so there's no ref this match um and they mentioned that there's no referee and they're like this can't be official because there's no ref but then yeah. Monsignor obviously got a word in his ear. It's like, yeah, well, there's a, there was somebody at ringside, a judge at ringside. And he gave the yeah. JYD the nod. So, so he's through, basically. But yeah, there's a conspiracy no... that JYD's going to win tonight. He's, uh, he won his first match. I don't know how, because Sheik just let go of the hold. Yeah. He basically counted the pinfall for himself. He's going to get a bye to the final. It's a conspiracy yeah. that he's going to win it tonight. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know what the, what the official part of your line was but there must be a reason there was no fucking ref there i don't know but yeah but then, that, oh, you probably forgot <laughs> you probably forgot yeah yeah um heenan again backstage and then we got tito and orndorff this is probably the longest match of the night it's two faces yeah but tito gets booed by a few people yeah there was behind orndorff tonight remember <laughs> that's the racist people viewing a mexican but but anyway yeah fully behind but I mean, orndorff is hogan affiliated at this point so yeah but they're both trying to they're both almost kind of selling injuries in this match from the from the earlier matches and i think this i think this is the longest match this goes on quite a while yeah but highlight for me was the uh, security guards at ringside who just kept looking over their heads watching the match <laughs> yeah, paying, yeah. paying no attention to what was happening in the crowd but it's good because this is one thing that ventura would always do if you had a, a two faces he'd be like oh someone's gonna Someone's going to turn heel eventually, or someone's going to fucking... Someone's going to do something. You, know, you can't have two good guys. Someone, eventually, someone's going to crack and do something bad or heelish, or... He's playing that up all the way through the match. Yeah. I think it's eventually Orndorff smacks Santana, and he ends up outside, and they end up brawling, and he gets thrown out. So that means, double count out, that JYD's in the final. Yeah, so... Uh, conspiracy. <laughs> conspiracy theory. It is... 
Um, oh, and this is when that when Alfred is now backstage with Vince and Alfred. And Alfred is now properly trying to molest Susan. So <laughs> yeah, he's kind of grabbing her and that kind of thing. And they, they talk about the, the semis. So there's only one semi: Dynamite and Savage. JYD is in the final. Which it didn't make sense to have the like. Surely the 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 heel should have the the advantage going into the final. To have a face going yeah, into the final, not... having a match off. We'll yeah. get to this when it gets to the final, but it seems like a strange kind of again. It's the the JYD conspiracy. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird because even to finish that match because um, the way it was going, I thought we was going to end up seeing Matcha Man Fee uh, Tito in the final, or possibly even Ondoff. Um, yeah. But yeah, the fact that. The babyface, uh, JRID, gets a buy into the finals. It's one of the first times we've seen that happen, to be fair. Like, normally you associate it with a heel. Like, uh, we recently watched the King of the Ring 93, and like, Bam Bam gets a buy to the final. And even, uh, for example, um, a couple of years after this, WrestleMania 4, uh, DB also gets a buy to the final. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you always see it. Like, so when it's the babyface, yeah, it, could, it was weird when I saw it happen. I was like, wow, this is like, so different to what you know, the, the, the norm, basically. Yeah, they, probably not, they haven't worked out at this point. Like, the whole no. kind of... No. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it just seems strange. And then when the gorilla and Jess are talking, you sort of hear faint bagpipes in the background. Mm. And that means this uh, piper coming out. But yep. I, he was... Yeah, I mean, we talk about... If you have to go sort of go to, like, a classic sort of Roddy Piper era, he'd probably go later than this. But he was... Obviously, massively, everybody he got massive heat from the crowd because everybody hated him. Yeah, and all bagpipes said, in the entrance. Yeah, they said like WrestleMania one. They say even though it was important that Hogan was uh, top babyface, and like they brought in celebrity involvement with like Mr. T, and that they said the one of the main guys' the reason WrestleMania was a success was Roddy Piper because he was such a believable heel, and like everyone hated him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's the thing is being a being a massive heel. And we're not far away. I think he got to a point where he couldn't be heel. Probably two or three years after this, he was like just always a face kind of going forwards. Yeah, I looked at uh, Rumble 92 and he defeated Mountie for the IC title. Yeah. And then he entered the Rumble and he squared off with Ric Flair. And he was probably the biggest baby face that night. Like the fans loved him and it was believable that he was actually going to. And he was in such great shape as well. But. It was believable that he was actually going to win the rumble that night because he was so over that night. Yeah, but that was the first person when he brought Flair in. It was the first person Flair feuded with was was Piper. Yeah. For quite quite a while. So obviously Piper was uh if you take away Hogan, he's one of the biggest babyface. Obviously had the history of of fighting before. So mm. for like three or four months, it was the Flair and Piper kind of feud. Um, but yeah, I mean. You get an interview then with Hogan backstage in his American-made white T-shirt. We, again, we talk a lot about people's ages. He was 32 at this point. He had a big forehead, didn't he? He did have a big <laughs> forehead, didn't he? Massive forehead. Again, he, again, he's someone who looked 40, probably when he was born. Um, and he talks a lot of Hogan talk. Uh, <sighs> Makes you think how he got over, you know, when you, like, I understand, like, he got over and, like, the fans loved him. They did. We see that for the show, but when you look back on it, it's like, how did this, like, you know, fall in 32 year olds? Um, well, it is. If we, if, if, we, if we go, I mean, this could be this is the topic for another podcast. If, if you actually try and work out why you became such a big star, 
Yeah. If you look back, like, obviously they must have earmarked him for a big push because, like we said earlier, it took the title off of Backland onto a mm. foreign heel. Yeah. And we then dropped it to Hogan immediately. So they must have saw, saw something in him to think, like, this guy's going to be a megastar. Yeah, I think the uh, the Rocky Free appearance helped. Obviously, he was he was still in AWA then, but like uh, when he was uh, Thunderlips in the Rocky Free, yeah, yeah, that brought a lot of attention. But um, it was just a year, I suppose. I mean, he was a big guy, and um, the match he has with Piper, in my opinion, was a really good match. I enjoyed it. Um, but I think it was just his charisma, like fans just drawn to him, and, like say what you want. Like when he does a promo, like you know, there's nothing like him. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Like if you <laughs> took Hulk Hogan, even Prime Hogan, and put him in like today's wrestling, uh, especially today's audience, he wouldn't get over. But I think he was just so perfect for like that era, the 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 nine uh, the eighties. Sorry, it just the perfect combination. It just worked. But um, it's hard to put your thumb on it, like why he got over as much as he did. But he did, and he made it work. Yeah, I think it was a combination of having the. Uh... Okay, and they got the affiliation with the Cindy Lauper, Saturday Night Live stuff, which led up to WrestleMania. Yeah. And then having a strong heel with Piper probably helped kind of push him on. Um, And then doing the whole America thing, again, in in the mid-80s, against the foreigners, against uh, the the big bad guys. Um, And yeah, it just kind of just took off, didn't it? But again, if you're watching this, it's a good match. I mean, but I mean, I think Jesse Ventura started in the start of the match. Like, you're not going to get great, get, get a great wrestling match. It's going to be a fight, basically. Yeah. This is what Piper would do. I was Piper. Piper's not a particularly good wrestler, but he'll yeah. put on a good match with people. Um, yeah. And yeah, so then uh, that's what this was. It was a good scrap. And but when we get to the end of the show, I'm going to I'm going to show you the uh, we'll go through the the uh, Shagger Dave uh, ratings for the for the pay per view. So yeah. <laughs> it got surprisingly good rating this match. Um, and you got the old old man with the long arms ref. He's refereeing this match. Why he's refereeing a world title match? I don't know. But he gets taken out during the match. Yeah. For the finish, basically. Um. So Hogan's there's a lot lots of bear hugs, lots of chokes, lots of sleepers. Cause that was Piper kind of stock wrestling. Yeah. Uh, ref bump. Piper gets a chair. Hogan sort of fights off the chair and then gets back up and then Bob Orton comes down to get involved again. More Bob Orton action. And the ref throws it out and then it's a DQ and Hogan wins and poses a bit and you get a bit of song and dance. And then Orton comes down to make the... Uh, not Orton. Uh, Orndorff comes down to save Hogan, which makes Orton... Uh, oh, fucking hell. Orndorff a bigger uh, star. I've, got three, I'm not, I've not mentioned what we're drinking tonight. Obviously, James is not a big drinker. Well, teetotal. James is teetotal. I've drank a can of Stella and almost a bottle of red wine. So, oh, wow. that, that will, uh, if I get in Paul Orndorff and Bob Orton mixed up at this point, like, you know, deal with it. Um, so, Hogan wins by DQ. Bob Orton comes down to get involved. Orndorff comes down to make the save, which kind of progresses Orndorff more as, uh, as Hogan's mate. Yeah. Face. Uh, and there's get some posing in the ring because Hogan must pose, <laughs> I believe. Uh, and then we get Gene and JYD, more JYD, unintelligible promo stuff. Yeah, the uh, highlight here is when uh, Gene said that Lord Alfred said that he thinks uh, Junkyard Dog's going to make it to the finals. And I'm thinking, the audience. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was Alfred's input. Was yeah. yeah. He might make it to the finals. Uh, so then we get a semi final, the one semi final match was Dynamite and Randy Savage. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's great. Isn't it? <laughs> it is yeah. good. It is good. Like I mentioned earlier, it would have been great to see Dynamite get this sort of singles push like more, yeah. but unfortunately what happened, but when I spoke to his daughter, uh, she said this is his this, uh, favourite match of him. Yeah. Um, but it, like, and like I mentioned earlier, like I hate it when matches go too long, and uh, tonight was refresh and see short matches, but this is a match I would have been happy to get like another five minutes out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Savage is still kind of selling injuries because he's had to wrestle all these matches and obviously doesn't want to get in there with Dynamite. Because, um, yeah, Lord Alfred before says, like, Dynamite's had two fairly short matches, whereas Macho Man's had... That was a, that was the whole story, the whole thing, was that Macho Man's had, like, really grueling matches. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> but he's a heel. Yeah, the, 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 the valiant heel. <laughs> the valiant heel. Yeah. So, and this match, again... Dynamite kicks the shit out of him, basically, and does a superplex off the top rope, which people are, like, amazed by a superplex. But it's a, good, it's a clever finish. Oh, yeah, it's a great finish. It's uh, a very such, good a finish. Simple, such a simpler time, isn't it, where people's impressed with a superplex. Now you have to do a superplex off a ladder through a plane of glass. Yeah. To get a reaction from the crowd. Yeah. But that was a like superplex, and then... Savage just kind of gets his shoulder up and hooks Dynamite's leg in. Yeah. And then the bell rings and Dynamite thinks he's won. Yeah. Actually, it's Savage. And Savage literally has to get carried to the back by the fucking security because he's so fucked up by this point. <laughs> Again, he's pushing the face Randy Savage. So we got... It's crazy as well because he doesn't get, he doesn't turn face for like another two yeah, and a half years. Yeah, yeah. He's a long way off turning face. But yeah. 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 Which means we've got the the final is going to be Junkyard Dog and Randy Savage. So now we're now we're getting into trouble now. So it goes back to Vince and Susan backstage, which means Alfred somewhere else. So uh, he, he says, to, <laughs> "Susan, have you uh, have you ever ridden in a Rolls Royce before?" And she said, "No." Uh, but at that point, that was the first thing she said in the entire pay per view. Susan. Yeah, but, we know why. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't exactly full of personality. Uh, no. I think she was just there to uh, look pretty. <laughs> and she was tall as well, so. Yeah. But that means that Alfred's, if he's not there, he's in the ring, unfortunately. So, but they, they said that now we're going to do the, we're going to do the draw now for the, the winner of the Rolls Royce. Yeah. So we get, so Jack Tunney, so there's lots of people in the ring for some reason. Jack Tunney comes out and says, well, thank you for coming and joining in the, the, the sweepstake, they call it. Basil, I heard, Basil DeVito's name mentioned countless times on podcasts. Yeah. I never knew what Basil DeVito looked like. Oh. <laughs> and he probably doesn't look like that anymore, does he? Basil DeVito. But, but that was Basil DeVito. Yeah, it was crazy to actually see the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yep, uh, sweepstake chat. This is this is sweepstake. And we get a guy from the company that's been running the sweepstake and accepting the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. He was called Ed... Fiber, Fiber Shaw, I think Ed Fiber Shaw, who's basically from a fucking admin company. Oh, right. He's in the ring. Um, and his company processed the entrance to this event. Why the, Why all these people are in the fucking ring in the middle of a pay-per-view, I don't know. But, but he's got the envelope, which contains the winner of the, the tournament. He's going to give it to the last man in the ring, which is Alfred Hayes. So they give it to Alfred. And then something, someone got lobbed in the ring. You see that? I didn't see it. What was it? 
I don't know where it was, but it landed in the ring and bounced like into the crowd. I don't know what right. the fuck it was, but so we got launched into the ring. By this point, people are like getting quite fucked off by this point. And Alfred tries to give it a big build-up and then uh, says, like, me to give the winner, like, a big Chicago welcome, and he get booed. And by this yeah. point, everybody's like, get the fuck on with it. And he announced the winner, who was, I don't know who the winner was. It was Michael Hamley. Michael Hamley <laughs> was the winner. And then Alfred points to, like, someone in the crowd, like, Michael Hamley. It's probably a WWE employee made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says, let's give him a big, loud Chicago chair. And it's roundly booed. So yeah, could you imagine all the people in attendance are now exactly going to cheer for someone who's won a brand new Rolls Royce? Are they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is, again, it's box standard. Like again, Alfred Hayes probably shouldn't be in a ring with a live mic. Yeah. Trying to fucking be the MC for an event. Um. Yeah. So Michael Hamley won the Rolls Royce. Well done. <laughs> well done, Michael. If you're listening. Um. Then you go back to Gene and Hogan. It is. Basically in his pants, Hogan, in the, in the locker room. Yeah. And he's still cutting a promo, and he's looking at the wrong camera, isn't he? I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Orndorff got the memo, though. He looked at the correct camera. Yeah, but Paul Orndorff came in and stood, like, directly in front of Gene. Yes. <laughs> so this is the whole thing is, again, it's all, all of it. It's like people are on fucking drugs. So Hogan's cutting a promo looking away from the camera, like he's looking at someone else completely. And Orndorff comes in and Orndorff stands in front of the guy who's interviewing Hogan and starts shouting and screaming. And yeah, I mean, it's of the time and it? it's, you know. You can tell the uh, production values, wasn't it? You can tell this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Early days of like WWF. Yeah. So now we're, now we're at the final. This is it. Now we get the full, again, another macho entrance, full entrance with another yeah. different gown. And then we get, now we get, uh, junkyard dog with um, grab them cakes. I think now it's fully dubbed over. Like you can hear it word for word on this. Yeah. The, the final. They saved it for the final. It gets a bit in the song where, it, where they they spell it out. So I'm gonna try and do it now with the the benefit of a bottle of wine and a kind of cellar. So G R A B T H E M C A K E S. I think that spells grab them cakes. But that was that was the end of the song. Was you have to kind of sing out the end uh, sentence um, I think the guy who did that was uh, there was talk I think it was the guy who was Cindy Lauper's manager it was oh, Dave David Wolf Wolf that's it yeah I think he he did that I think he did this and he did um, Jive Soul Bro as well the uh, Slickers music yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, BHAYD and Macho I mean a man. Macho Man's playing the cowardly heel, holding Elizabeth in front of him as, as a shield. And but in this match, again, the whole thing has been like that. Macho Man's had to wrestle all these matches. And the, the first like five minutes of his match is Macho Man basically being knackered and like selling the fact he's had to wrestle all these matches. And Joe Biden's been sat at home or sat like you know watching. So it's a strange yeah. kind of. It's weird looking, like I said, the uh, Macho Man, the uh, Valiant Heel. And, the Valiant uh, Heel, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to boo him. And uh, you look at JYD and he got a, a bye to the final. So um, it's just weird looking, really. Um, but like JYD was still over, but you couldn't help. But there was the, the, already you could see a couple of people cheering for uh, Macho Man, even when he was trying to be heelish, like having Elizabeth in front of him. But uh, you can't respect the fact you can't help but respect the fact that you know he wrestled three good matches to get to the final and 
JYD wrestled two short matches, you could say, and got a bye to the final. Yeah, but JYD beat Iron Sheik in a match where the Iron Sheik, you know, decided to lie on him rather than make him submit. Yeah. And then he wrestled um, a guy who's probably not got a semblance of awareness of where he is or what time it is at any point <laughs> in a match where there was no fucking ref. And then in a bye. So, yeah. But, but yeah. Savage was a lot of the... I've forgotten how great the fucking double axe handle outside was. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one that can do it. Obviously, <laughs> it's the only one who does it convincingly that it could actually hurt you. And um, when you think about it as well, like diving to the outside is one thing, but diving to the outside concrete floor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that just kind of reminded you of like how great he was. And the, the, the I think Punk's done a lot of kind of stuff where he kind of mimics savage yeah especially when he's doing his heel stuff like mm. um but yeah this was yeah so the, the the first half of the match savage plays the 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 heel in peril the valiant heel and then yep. he comes back and does this uh outside the ring stuff and uh what i definitely was i think he started the match when he was trying to get a chair in the ring and he eventually uses the chair and the ref doesn't do anything no but it slightly worried me that i mean to be fair we're in 1985 so the whole thing about Black people having a hard head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're still there at that point, aren't we? So, yeah. I thought it was only these moments who had that gimmick. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's anyone of any re- ethnic... Uh, anyone who's not American. Anyone who's not American has got a hard or head. White. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're still doing that. Um, surprise finished my... Uh, the, the, sorry, the, the finish surprised... The surprise finished me. The uh, finish surprised me, though. Um, but all the way through, like, again, I watched the same as you, unspoiled. Yeah. I assume Savage is going to win. Exactly. That's why <laughs> I... It seemed to be pointing that way. And... Because yeah. um, before I realised that Savage and Steamboat was going to face each other in the... Uh, quarterfinals when i looked at the board at first i thought oh it might be savage and steamboat in the final but then yeah i looked i was like oh no they they face each other second round so i'm looking at the rest and i'm thinking perhaps it's i knew it was gonna be savage because i knew he beat dynamite in the in the semis i knew that so i'm looking at the rest of the list and i'm like that's gonna be savage and uh, probably tito um but then yeah savage and jyd i'm like okay then the, the finish and, I, and that was one of my things for the night the referees were so slow to do a free count but whenever it was a count out they was like one two three four five six seven. <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah, um, yeah when jrid like back body drop him it was a good don't get wrong that was a good spot and the uh, savage took it well and when i thought well liz is gonna get him up then it was 10 count i'm like really <laughs> yeah yeah it was a uh, yeah i mean I, they were they were pushing jyd at this point so yeah and it's baby face as well and uh especially back in them days the baby faces always won so yeah. uh when you go back and think about it yeah and jyd was uh he was a popular wrestler like fans did love him as you saw through all his entr- entrances the fans did generally like he was a big fan of him uh, the fans loved him but it was just surprising especially when you put it in context and i don't really like talking about race and things like that because i i try to think that racism doesn't exist but when you think about, like, in the 80s and the mid-80s and, like, you know, this black guy getting a big push on, like, the second pay-per-view or the first pay-per-view to a worldwide audience, it's really, when you think about it, you don't really think, expect that to happen, but it happened that night. So um, 
was a surprise, but like I, I expected a match of the win, but when JYD won it, I was like, oh, that was a bit of a surprise, and it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Well, I mean, this tournament wasn't actually for anything, was it? Mm. It wasn't so for what, anything. Uh, uh, end of the day, it wasn't for a title that, but uh, to end the show with like a black guy being the main oh, yeah. winner of the main event, um, and obviously WG's been accused of, like, say, racism and that for many years, and some of it validated. A lot of it, I think it's people reaching. But the fact that they ended the second ever pay-per-view with a black guy on top, a massive surprise, especially back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. And again, but he was he was, he was was over big time at this yeah. point. Um, so, I mean, he, and then he went, I think he went, he, was, he went on to, I think he was feuding with, with Funk not long after this. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So what would you? That, that, that's it. To, that's the end of the the the, the show. The JYD is the the wrestling classic. But it isn't quite finished then because again, as I, as we alluded earlier, Jesse Ventura comes in the ring and starts trying to start an angle basically with. Yeah. But saying that, that it's unfair because Macho had to wrestle more times than JYD did. Yeah, it just didn't, didn't lead anywhere. <laughs> it didn't lead anywhere at all. Yeah. It's. Uh... And the way it was going, it was like that uh, Ventura was going to go on to manage um, Matchman, which yeah. Jesse would have been a great manager, especially yeah. in the 80s. Um, and it's a shame because when I started the show, when I did, we only really got the end of Jesse's run on commentary because yeah. WrestleMania 6 was his last one on commentary. So yeah. we only literally had two shows where we watched him. So, and then after that, he's gone. He goes to WCW and he does other stuff. Uh I love Jesse Fantora, but um, yeah, it was kind of like there was it was weird as well because he went into the ring, did the spot with JYD, and he had no jacket on. And as soon as they cut away from the camera, he's back on the commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And jacket on, and like looks like he didn't break a sweat. It was like it, it must have been filmed the same night, but it felt like it was filmed at different times. Yeah, but it did feel like it was leading to an angle. Yeah. At some point, but no, it didn't lead to anything at all. And that's how you finish. So they're going to talk to JYD, but no, they don't, because Jesse Ventura comes in and starts having to go at him. And then that's it. JYD and JYD get the talk. That's the end of the show. So would you like to hear, as has become fairly customary on this show, yep. we're going to do the uh, the Uncle Dave. Are you a fan of Uncle Dave? Not really, but... Not he really, is, no, nor he, am I, no. He, he is coming on the show soon. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Yeah, we're starting it out, so that's gonna be interesting. Oh, you're gonna get Meltzer on the show. Oh wow! So, so his rankings for this event. So the first match gets a what's the first match? Adonis and Couple Kirshner. Yeah. Gets a quarter of a star. Understandable, to be fair, because it wasn't that match. <laughs> uh, Dynamite Kid Nikolai gets nothing because it was six seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steamboat. No. Um. What's this? This is. What was the next match? It was Savage and uh, Putski gets a star in a quarter. Yeah. Steamboat and Davey Boy gets three stars in a quarter, which I think is pretty... Quite high, that is. It's <laughs> quite high. It is quite high, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it was four minutes and it ended with some of the guy getting crotched on the fucking middle rope, yeah. Yeah. Finish, yeah. yeah. Uh, JYD and the Iron Street gets uh, a quarter of a star. No, it gets yeah. a, a, a star in a quarter. All right. No, no actually, a, a star in three quarters. Oh well. <laughs> it's going up. Yeah. Moondog Spot and Terry Funk get a dud to get nothing. Uh, I found that. <laughs> uh, 
Kittus and Tan and Don Marco got three stars. Yeah, yeah. Orndorff and uh, Orton got three and a quarter stars. This feels a lot. (laughs) Considering some of the the shows I've watched recently, which is good, given fuck all to most of the matches, this seems pretty heavy. Um, Must have been when he was like a proper baby face. (laughs) Yeah. Dynamite Kid and Adrian Donis got three and a quarter stars. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, Steamboat and Savage got four stars. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It, it's don't wrong, it's high. Uh, and the match was a bit short, but for what they did, if you had to rank it as a short match, then uh, yeah. Junkyard <laughs> uh, Dog and Moonyard, uh, Moonyard, Moondog Spot got minus five stars. Oh, well. He killed the Moondog. He didn't like Junkyard Dog, did he? I think he used to call him the Junkyard. No. Junk food dog, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, Santana and Orndorff got one star. That's low. That's harsh. Um, Savage and Dynamite got four stars. Yeah, that's reasonable. Fucking Hogan and Piper got three and a quarter stars. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the the main event got uh, three, three and a half stars. I think that's high. Yeah. I don't think the Piper-Hogan match deserves three and a quarter stars. No, it depends how you look at it. For fan reactions, that, that helped. Um, it's not your typical wrestling match, I suppose, um, but it depends what he factored into it, basically, like fan reactions and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, who knows what he fucking factored yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so overall, did you enjoy it? Yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the show, it was nice to uh, go back to the really early days of WWF. Like I said, this is the second pay-per-view. Uh, the first one to a worldwide audience, which you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, when you saw the opening logo with, like, the lasers and stuff like that, and uh, just uh, just such a simpler time, like you mentioned, like, the, a superplex was a big deal. And, um, yeah, it, I enjoyed it. It was just nice to go back and watch something really different. I mean, I like watching the other stuff lately. I've been watching, and compared to this, it's new, but... I've been watching a lot of ECW from 96 and working with Ray through that. Yeah. And uh, so when you go, and obviously with my show, I do a lot of the 90s WWE pay-per-views. So to go back to things before then, it uh, made a nice change. And uh, yeah, and he, I've always been a big fan of Macho Man, but when you watch him like tonight, which was these early days in WWF, you realize the guy was always a star. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. No, watching this for I enjoyed it. Again, I enjoyed the the short matches, the quick turnover, um, and seeing people I'd not really seen that much before. Mm. Um, and again, it, it seemed to go by pretty quick watching it. Yeah, the, you, there was never time to get bored. Like the matches, even the matches, what you was kind of dreading, like Junkyard v Moondog, it was over in a minute, in a minute literally. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you can't get bored in the matches because if you were standing at bored in the match, it was finished. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's probably it's probably something the wrestling purists won't enjoy besides Dynamite Macho and Steamboat Macho or uh, Steamboat Bulldog, mainly them four wrestlers, basically. Um, so if for the hardcore wrestling fans, what loves that catches can stuff, they would love them matches. Besides that, they won't probably be a fan of anything else, but... I can also say I watched it in two sittings just for the simple fact that it was the only time I could get to watch it, but never felt bored watching it and uh, enjoyed it. And uh, 
just love the fans. Like the fans wasn't interested in getting themselves over with like this is awesome chance or anything like that. They just sat down because they was enjoying what they was watching, and uh, it just feels like it was such a simpler time and where just no smacks or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in the end, they go back to Vince and Alfred. Alfred gets a kiss from Susan. Yeah, he, but one, he definitely his persistence paid off at the end. Yeah. Um, Vince asked. Uh, Vince asked me. He says it's the greatest night of his life, basically. Yeah. He got kissed by a woman. So. <laughs> and Susan had a nice night as well. The woman that never exists and will ever be seen again. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a nice bit of real American at the end to finish off. Yeah, Just, I like the uh, end credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I Kevin Dunn. Try and find Fucking names Kev- Kevin Dunn was then there, there then. Yeah. Uh, he also was Karen selfie, and there there was some yeah. above it. So. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, interested to see uh, the credits like who, who I could see. So uh, yeah, that was nice, and uh, it finishes uh, the show off with a big picture of uh, Hulk Hogan looking worn out. <laughs> yeah, 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 in a headlock. Yeah, 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 lovely. So I didn't mention this earlier, but obviously I normally say this before we start, but as is tradition, we will get our guests to pick the song we play out on, a wrestler theme tune to play out on. I'll give you a minute to think of that. Oh, Whilst you're thinking of that, James. <laughs> well, I always say now we'll get you to say where we can find you and plug some shit. But you know, I think we've probably done that already. But if yeah, you want to go on in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if so, you want to plug uh, some more stuff, yeah. I mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, enjoy this. But yeah, if people want to, uh, like I said, check out my channel. We do '90s WWE pay reviews, but I also do loads of interviews. Uh, that '90s wrestling podcast is available on YouTube and on podcasting platforms. And I've also got my new side channel with uh, Rene Dupree, and we take a look at the week's uh, wrestling news headlines and also chat more about uh, Rene's career. So if you want to check that out on YouTube and podcast, that's Cafe Day Rene with uh, Rene Dupree. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, we've, we're currently uh, we've been in three big arguments with uh, three Hall of Famers, Booker T, Undertaker and Bully Ray. So I'm just. <laughs> Can see which Hall of Famer we piss off next week. Well, I mean, I think Bully Ray. I, I think fucking Bully Ray deserves it. You know. Oh yeah, uh, and as for our announcement, I suppose uh, next week uh, this show will probably be out by then. But he's uh, Renee's tag team partner, Sylvain Grande uh, is going to be on next week, so he's planning on responding to Bully Ray also. <laughs> so, uh, I like this. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, obviously, I'll say thank you for listening to us and supporting us over the last few years. And, um, yeah, mate, I mean, this, again, we're all, I, I say it every week, but this is, this podcast is basically mates chatting about wrestling, but men in pants and having a few drinks and enjoying ourselves. And, yeah, so thanks for coming on, man. It's been oh, good. Cool. <laughs> um, next week, well, fucking next week. Next week we're doing Survivor Series 2004, and we've oh, got. Oh, one of my favourites. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone else is at home is saying that as well. With uh, Morty Junior is coming on to join us, and I promise that'll be the last time he ever mentioned Heidenreich again yeah. on the podcast. This is the end of the Heidenreich era, so that'll be next week. Uh, so all I've got to say is, well, thanks for for sticking around and supporting us and again if anyone wants to come on at any point shout us and give us a shout and thanks for sharing the podcast and putting out there and 
tolerating our bollocks every week. So, James, what are we going to finish on? What's yeah, on? Uh, we'll stick with the ATs, even though this tag team was just after this show, but we'll go with uh, Strike Force, Girls and Cars. Oh, mate. <laughs> I was worried you were going to say Demolition then, because we had that a couple of weeks ago. So. But yeah. yeah, no. So, yeah, we'll have Girls and Cars by Strike Force. That'll be coming up in a minute. And we'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in. Cheers, guys. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye.